0: Joe
1: Rogan podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan experience.
2: Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. All right, we're up. And we are up. How are you? Good to see you, man.
0: Great to see you. (laughs) Hmm. Ah, How does it
2: feel to have another one done? feels great but there's another one in the works so it doesn't really (laughs) doesn't really
0: stop i mean i hear some guys like john grisham talk about they do six months of work and six months off and that's kind of that the routine that they've gotten on Hmm. but uh but for me it's go 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 this the next one scripts although do you, you ever mods. anticipate
2: doing like a six month on, six month off thing, or maybe when the kids are out of the house, maybe someday, way later on? But right
0: now, it's still building. It's just like any entrepreneurial yeah. type of venture—you gotta just go and keep building and take advantage of momentum and look for gaps in the enemy's defenses and adapt <laughs> and just go, 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 go. So it's uh, it's a constant thing from the second I wake up till everybody else is in bed and I'm working for a few more hours.
2: Yeah, you um, got to make hay while the sun's shining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about that too with the podcast. I'm like, one day would we'll do. You know, I do so many things. Sometimes I'm like One day maybe I'll just do one thing I don't know Will you be able to do that? (sighs) I don't know I don't think I'm I'm ill Have you ever been bored? I don't even know what that means You do I? No I never When people talk about
0: being bored Like I'm gonna hear that From one of our our kids I'm like That's like the one thing That that gets me Um, Yeah But it's because I've never been bored in my life I'm bored at
2: things (laughs) Like if someone takes me to a gala (laughs) And I have to dress like a monkey Mm -hmm. Sit there and wait How many of those have you You don't do those anymore do you? I had to do one recently yeah, a, f- a friend. Yeah, there's an art thing that was going on here, so I had to right. dress up and I'm like Jesus Christ. It's every now and again, it's okay, maybe. But if it's maybe every- it was okay because I was next to my friend and yeah. his wife and my wife. It was fun, but it's know. for the most part. It's like that's the only time I get bored. Yeah, then be- I get hostile. Then really? I have a couple of drinks and so I get a little hostile. Do you- <laughs> are people nervous <laughs> when you're there no, <laughs> no they get weird they get weird man just looking at you that you're there yeah people stare at me really it's, yeah it's it's gotten exponentially weirder over the last like three years i bet. i used to be able to blend in yeah five years ago i could blend in anywhere really? okay. yeah just people say hi but that would be it okay no it's but now weird. it changes the dynamic yeah. of the room type yeah. of thing yeah, yeah. Wow. it's weird I'm,
0: sorry, I'm not changing the dynamic of any room, I don't think, but uh, but people definitely in the airport stop and say hi, and I feel so just fortunate that people are interested enough in the books or the, the podcast or the TV show or whatever to actually recognize me and say hi. One guy recognized me by my Sitka backpack last night. Oh, wow. I was fly, flying out here, and he's like, the backpack gave you away, because I was in the corner calling uh, my wife on Mother's Day and my mom on Mother's Day, both, and, uh, and a so guy walked opt by. to fade. And he said, Well, <laughs> so no, okay. it was the gray one. It's the Drifter, so it's just, oh. it just blends, but it has a little Sitka symbol. Mm. And uh, he said, the backpack gave you away. I turned around, and so... Said <laughs> hi, and but that's but it's uh, you know I feel extremely fortunate.
2: Yeah, I do too. We're we're very lucky guys to be able to do what we love to do. Yeah. You know, when someone meets you too, the, the, also it's like your writing is so brutal. <laughs> This one in and particular. He's such, he such a nice guy. <laughs> and it's, it's like every, when someone meets you, they're like, what the fuck is going on behind those eyes? Uh-huh. I worry about that with them. Well, I don't spend too much time worrying about it.
0: But like uh, our, our kids' uh, parents, his friends' parents, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Like, did yeah. you read his book? It was a little disturbing. <laughs> maybe our kids shouldn't play over there type of a thing. So, Oh, really? I know, well, I don't know. But that's kind of what I think about. Like if I was someone else's parent and was to read this and not know me, never having met me. Yeah. And all of a sudden you read this thing like, oh, maybe our son or daughter should find another friend
2: i would worry about that more in california yeah in yeah. california so what, what are we drinking here what is this all right cheers. so right here cheers, cheers. thank cheers. you so much for everything My amazing pleasure, brother. amazing I mean, look at this the Let's official see. jack car leather colored whiskey glasses there it is right the nice. whiskey
0: glasses people are very fond of their whiskey
2: and who made this whiskey mm. this is not bad
0: so it's very good here we go so this is hooten young right there okay and so uh, a, some a, veterans jack car edition yep jack car edition right here and uh so there's uh, both veterans but uh, Norm Hooten was played by Eric Bana in Black Hawk Down. So he was a Delta operator who's now out and makes these makes cigars that oh, uh, nice. I'm show you here in a oh, second. Oh, makes cigars too. Yep, cigars and this this whiskey and I put him in the show in the terminal list. So when Chris Pratt's uh there drinking with Boozer in that first episode. Mm-hmm. Put a little Hooten Young on there and there's no Product placement and like in the show, in the books, people think that that's a huge thing. And in a lot of Hollywood, I, I think it is. If someone's like, let me open this tab, you know, back right. in 1985 or whatever. But there's none of that. It's all just character development tools. And so I want to try to hook up some, whoever I can. And these guys put in uh, so much time uh, in service to this nation. So it's right on the, right on the counter there in that first episode. But uh, That's
2: the best kind of product placement. Yeah. And it helps Organic. develop the... Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. There's no... Yeah. No one pays to get in, in any of these, which was quite, cool. I didn't know how it was going to work with Hollywood because it was my first time down that road. Yeah. And I didn't think they were going to say, hey, you know what? You have this and I know it's important and I know who the guys are, but how about this company? They're paying us, so let's put that in there instead. And it wasn't like that at all, which was pretty cool. And I think it's all because Chris Antoine Fuqua and the showrunner uh, just held the line and said hey no we're just gonna use these things to make it organic and authentic and root this whole thing in this That's foundation good. of operator culture
2: it also so. probably helps that you guys are on amazon too which is like a fairly new platform yeah and in terms of like streaming and things it's only like the last decade or so
0: right netflix opposed, had a little head
2: start yeah as opposed to something like nbc or cbs mm-hmm. or abc which is mm-hmm. like probably standard operational right. procedure right that. To like have people pay to put Coca-Cola on. Right, because they need to make money however they can, because now yeah. they're in competition with Amazon and with Netflix. They're going to come to you with Bud else. Light. They they, oh.
0: You guys can fix Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a new one today. Did you see the Miller Lite one today?
2: Yeah, like, does oh. no one learn? Does oh. no one learn?
0: I mean, and they were taking all those ads that we love from the 80s, and they yeah. were just putting them in shredders. Like yeah. That
2: was their campaign
0: today. I saw it this it's morning. So stupid. I mean, they, I don't know. But once the, again. The,
2: like, there's something wrong. Also, it's making there's something wrong with women wearing bikinis. Mm-hmm. Those women wear bikinis because they look great. They like to look great. They take photos of them looking great. The girls see those photos of them in bikinis. They get excited. Look, I look great. People buy it. Wow, she looks great. It's not bad to look great. It's yeah. just like it's not bad for a guy to have a shirt off. Just, a guy, uh, if Chris Pratt has a shirt off and he's looking ripped. It's not objectifying. I mean, I guess it is, but it's not negative. It's not <laughs> it's negative. Selling, it's selling movie tickets right there. That, that ad is so weird. Isn't it it's, strange? You want to watch it? Let's watch it. We Let's have to, watch oh it just boy. so we can goof out. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs>
0: I couldn't believe it's, it this morning. They
2: they don't learn. It's, no one
0: learns. Well, it's just in general, I think. It's kind of those, those taking lessons from the past and applying them going forward as wisdom. How about lessons from I mean, a week ago? I know. <laughs> it's
2: not even the past. It's like a couple days ago. The only thing that uh. saves it is like maybe they spent a lot of money on it and they filmed it six months ago, But yeah. is that possible?
1: I've already seen it yet.
2: Yeah. There's an article from two months <laughs> but ago. But still you could put a pause that on that. Out. Oh, it came out two
1: months ago? At least two months ago.
2: <laughs> okay, so it came out before the bullshit, right? Was that about the same time as the bullshit? It was
1: this says it was in honor of Women's History Month, is when oh. they put it out. So I'm like, I was as I saw it today, I was like, maybe there's a reason they made this and we just are seeing it. <laughs> but it's that, also but cr-
2: crazy. They want to so shred let's, all let's, the
0: good looking um, pictures from the eighties. And they're oh, buying it back. Good. That was part of the That's thing. They're buying back. All those old ads uh, that people have, I guess in their oh, garage walls. That's what it said in the this thing that I saw yeah, this morning. Send anyway. us your shit yeah. Oh god. And they're going to turn it into Mulch. good. Yeah, that's okay. it. first to brew beer yeah. ever. From Mesopotamia yeah. to the Middle Ages. They're Asia's saying to women America, brewed beer. They said they were the first. Women were the ones doing the brewing. Centuries later, how did the industry mm. pay homage to the founding mothers of beer? They
2: put us in bikinis
0: with awesome pictures like that is how. She looks hot. Yeah. I mean, look at that. Those yeah, are those great ads. Are those are great ads.
2: Riot. It's time beer
1: made it up to women. So today, Miller Lite is on a mission
0: to clean up, <laughs> their <laughs> up their beer. Miller on a mission to make sure no one buys Miller their stuff. Been scouring the internet. Oh Girl my goodness. And buying it
1: back so that they can turn it into uh, for women brewers. They're Literally,
0: scouring rich. the internet, scouring. And buying yeah. it back. Yeah, ladies, take it away. Because that's easy to do once you get an image up there on the internet. So what
2: is she saying?
1: Uh, <sighs> compost to worms,
2: hmm.
1: push out beautiful fertilizer. Uh, that good shit helps farmers grow quality hops. Yeah. Which has so. been
2: donated to women brewers to make their own really good shit. But there's definitely mm. more sh out there. In
0: your attic, in the garage,
2: in your parents' basement. Send any shit you got into
0: Miller Lite, and they'll turn that into good shit, too. Oh. Oh. So here's to women. Because without us, there would be no
1: beer.
2: Oh God! I I hate identity politics with a passion. I really do. It's pretty interesting. It's so stupid. It's, It's human beings made beer, okay? And some human beings look good in bikinis. It's like, what are we doing? It's crazy. Women do it. Women do it. Women it's, do it. Like it's pretty what, wild. I'd like to see a pie chart of how many women are actually involved <laughs> in making beer or drinking beer. Well, now I'm going to hold on to all those posters
0: from Miller Light that I have from the '80s in my garage. I'm not turning that stuff in. It's going to be worth a lot more now. Do you have some? No.
2: <laughs> Imagine. I wish I did. Those, <laughs> all like,
0: those this years. Is it
2: Miller Light ads are uh, their shit. Yeah. No, I mean that, that was crazy to wake. I mean to see that this morning. Do you, can but, you? Does paper turn into compost? Is that how it works? I mean, isn't it a bunch of chemicals and could. shit?
1: Did, are they why, lying to us? Why would something like that just get resurfaced on, like, a Monday and now everyone's talking about it? Because people are angry. They're looking to be <laughs> been angry. Out for two months. That's what I mean. Like, it's been out for two months. We didn't see it no. before that. And I now... think
2: the Bud Light thing was probably so overwhelming that no one paid attention to anything else. Yeah. And now that that's kind of died down. Yeah. It's, uh, it's ugh. all I'm so sure. stupid. Well, since, since we're on we're alcohol
0: primators. and we're on all that stuff, let me do this so I don't, uh, don't forget because this is pretty pretty amazing here I know you like cigars and and um, as do I and uh, this right here so these cigars right here Hooten Young the guys that we just talked mm. to about this uh, this whiskey that that Carr edition right there oh wow so look at the label this is pretty cool so what they did it's they called me and and I was kind of like a million things going on and, and, I, and I pick up and they started to talk to me about this and it gave me goosebumps and um, it's this right here is World Trade Center steel whoa right yeah World Trade Center Steel, the guys that put this together aren't just uh, Hooten Young, aren't just Norm Hooten, There's some, I'm gonna call them two army rangers and a special forces guy. But we can talk more about them, just incredible human beings who have sacrificed so much for this nation. And so they, they did this and then he kept talking to me and he said, under these cigars, under each one right here, so if I pull one of these out, you can see that there is some dirt Under each one of these, Hmm. right here, and it's laminated in there over the top. So there's dirt and there's a little laminate over it. And each one of these comes from a special place. And uh, right here, D Day invasion, sacred sand recovered from Omaha Beach in Normandy. Right there, largest amphibious invasion in history. So they have that there. Iranian hostage crisis, April 24th, 1980, Operation. Eagle Claw. So that's when they went in to try to rescue the American hostages in Iran, Tehran, and they landed at a place called Desert One. Uh, One of the refueling um, uh, uh, birds hit one of the, or one of the refueling C-130s hit one of the helicopters and there was an explosion and uh, uh, people died and they had to abort the mission. They didn't have enough helicopters to keep going, so they brought dirt back from that. There is not much dirt that they brought back, but there is some in -hmm. here. And uh, Battle of Mogadishu, October 3rd to 4th, 1993, Operation Gothic Serpent. Uh, sand smuggled from the Black Hawk Down crash site in Mogadishu, Holy Somalia. Oh, shit. Under there. Uh, World Trade Center attack, Operation Enduring Freedom, the steel um, right here. And uh, Saddam Hussein, Operation Iraqi Freedom from March 20th, 2003. Uh, so there is dirt from some amazing um, uh, dates in special operations and military history in here and uh each one of these cigars you can tell right here has there you go right here you right there so wow yeah that's so, incredible amazing yeah hooting young and then some guys that are that are out there at the at the tip of the spear that have uh have access to this dirt from places like operation eagle claw uh desert one outside of Tehran. iran is uh is in here so
2: wow put that back wow. in we're gonna save these yeah. for some so, special occasion there we that's go. that's amazing yeah
0: so I was blown away so they made one for you made one for me and so we're the only two people to uh to have these that's very cool yeah yeah operator cigars right there and there you are wow Hooten Young
2: cross Tomahawks
0: right there um yeah pretty amazing very cool
2: yeah have you smoked one of these yet
0: not yet not yet just uh it arrived just hours Mm. before I got here so pretty cool Pretty cool. That's very cool. So thank you guys, who Young, and the guys at the tip of the spear who put this together. Yeah, and then,
2: thank you. Yeah, That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely amazing.
0: And this stuff launches, I think, today. You have to wait for the government. There's all sorts of things you have to hop through, you know, before for they whiskey? approve. Yeah, before they approve it. And so this stuff, well, I think it's launching tomorrow or today when this thing launches. But um, So that'll be out there. And what's crazy is you have to go through these patent things, so not like uh, trademark stuff, you know, with attorneys and things. And there's different... Um, Uh, little categories so you have to have subcategories if you want to patent the cross tomahawks so i have lawyers doing all that and part of that's whiskey and uh and so they did the whiskey one and like right away the the jack daniels lawyers boom right on it like they are very aggressive when it comes to any whiskey that has jack in it even though it's obviously a different label a different style bottle different you know no 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 connection they get upset at the name
2: jack yeah jack Carr, yep yeah don't they just look at it and go oh that's the author
0: that, well, the, well, come on, juxtap- Jack Daniels. Seriously, and Jack Daniels has done so much for America's. We uh, love you,
2: Jack Daniels. We love Don't Jack be Daniels.
0: Cuts. I know. Seriously, but it's. Uh, but they're very good. They did something with. Uh, uh, they had a, like a dog poop uh, thing that was out there with Jack Daniels on it or something like that. It, you can look that up, but it was a big thing. I think it went to the Supreme Court recently. So, point being, they're very aggressive. We do love Jack Daniels, um, but their lawyers get a little aggressive and juxtapose that because while you're doing this, yeah, there it is, right there. Whiskey and poop thing dog Isn't toy meet in
2: a trademark clash. Oh, boy. That's lawyers. That's just mm-hmm. lawyers. Got a bunch of people that probably work for the firm, and yeah. they're like, oh, this is an opportunity to hey, get on the board.
0: Yeah, they get very aggressive. But you juxtapose that, so there's also car wine. And uh, so we happen to
2: drink a lot of that in our household. Just you know, My dog has one of those. Really? Yes. <laughs> Marshall has one of those. He's got a fake Jack Daniels. I, as a matter of fact, there might be a photo of him <laughs> with it. On his Instagram page. My dog's Instagram has like 750,000 followers. blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> he's so That's handsome. Awesome. That is he's awesome. He's adorable. That is awesome. But but, but, uh, I'm pretty sure in one of his photos, he got, one got of those? A, a rubber bottle of Jack Daniels. That
0: might have spurred this whole lawsuit. You know? I wonder. But point being, it's uh, there's also car wine. And there so, he is. There it is right there. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, look at that. <laughs> that is a great <laughs> shot. So they should be. That's excited.
2: his. That's his best position. Yeah. that's his. Uh, his favorite that. position is cuddling. Yeah. He's when you when you watch TV, he hops on board and just puts his head on your chest. Oh. He's the best. But we do love Jack Daniels. They do so much I for do the military. I love Jack Daniels. I know. It's not them, some It's some lawyers. Not, yeah, some I think dipshits. So. Well, I mean, but, also Jack Daniels has been around for like what a hundred years time. plus. Long time. How long have they been around? So it's not really Jack Daniels. No. It's people that assume a position at Jack yeah. Daniels and go after dog toys.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and anything with Jack in the, in the title anyway. So hopefully we can work through that. But uh, but different than the lawyers for car wine. So same situation. You have to do wine is separate than liquor and that sort of a thing with trademarks and all that. And so car wine reaches out. But they're like, uh, hey, kind of excuse us. Um, uh, we're, we're big fans, but uh, I would love, love what Jack's doing. But uh, what are you guys planning on doing with this wine? it's really just... Kind of a, a series of things you just do when you apply for a trademark, just to cover things, and uh, and they were awesome. And I was like, these guys are so fun. We drink their wine anyway; been drinking it for years. And uh, I was like, hey, just tell them if they were if I ever do a wine that if they were uncomfortable with it, I'll just change it up, just whatever they wanted. You know, it'll be totally different anyway. But I'll show it to them first. So I told the attorneys, like, just tell them all
2: whatever. We'll let's sit down and have some wine together so is the company named car wine yeah
0: yeah so there's car wine car vineyards maybe oh. in uh in northern california i think and and uh you know they're the, they're out there in all the grocery stores and they're pretty big but they're good you know good solid wine and but they um, were cool
2: about it yeah super cool super
0: yeah. cool yeah their lawyers reached out but it's the same situation but
2: you can be cool or you cannot be cool be, yeah
0: be cool like fonzie you yeah, know be like, cool. just be cool like, fonzie. <laughs> like how hard is this
2: ah well, Man. it's lawyers. I mean, it's also that's their job. Yeah, that is you their know. Job. I mean, it's Close like the protect. scorpion and the frog. It's yeah. in my nature. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and they're there to protect. So I do, I do get it. But yeah, uh, you know, that's okay. But you still can be nice about it. Yeah. Well, hopefully this podcast
2: maybe lube the gears yeah. a little bit. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> be cool. You know. So are you guys? Uh, is season two? It's on hold now because of the writer strike. Well, working on the scripts. So it's uh. Are you allowed to work on the scripts?
0: No. I mean, I'm not part of the Guild yet. I would be after this one because I'm writing the finale. But um, out of respect for what they have going on, I'm not, I'm pencils down on it too. So every, all the writers that are part of the, the uh, WGA, uh, pencils down on all their projects right now.
2: And So the Writers Guild is only television and film. It has nothing to do with authors. Nothing
0: to do with the uh, publishing industry as far as uh, the books and Simon & Schuster and all that stuff. And same thing with video games. I learned video games because there are writers for these video games. Yeah. And uh, so that's not part of it either. Um, so people can work on that. Stuff, but it's the uh, it's the television and film,
2: and is uh, the main dispute streaming? Is that what's going streaming
0: on? Streaming was the was been uh, a long time coming, uh, so that was coming to a head anyway. And they probably should have negotiated, or not? They should have. Um, it's been a long time in the works, just because things have changed so much since the last writer strike when it comes to streaming. And uh, but then right when they that comes to a head, AI hits the news this January. Of mm. course, AI with Chat GPT and all that stuff, and people are putting it as you've seen. Um, people can just say, "Hey, write a show about X, Y, or Z," and. Pops out, not bad. Do a little editing, off it goes, and yeah. you, don't have, you don't have to pay a writer's room. So if you're an executive and you're beholden to, I guess, you know, shareholders or whatever it is, um, maybe that's attractive. But not so attractive to those people who make their living uh, coming up with these ideas in a writer's room and uh, and then making all this money. Essentially, the ground, the foundation of everything that we see in film and television happens yeah. in those writer's rooms and happens from these creators. Uh, and they you know they make a lot of them. It's not huge money uh, they're making anyway. But it's just uh, how do you deal with streaming and how do
2: we deal with AI? And we'll see. We'll what see. is the solution to the AI problem? Because we're know. we're dealing with chat GPT four now, and as chat GPT five, six and seven roll out, I, I would imagine they're gonna be able to write in the style of Jack Carr and yeah. write a perfect James Reese novel.
0: Maybe eventually somebody did that right when it came out. I think in January I got a text and uh, I said, "Check your email." This is what I just, just screenshotted Chat GBT. I said, "Write the first novel, a first chapter in the next Jack Carr, James Reese Terminalist thing." And it was wasn't great, but in five years it probably will be.
2: Right. So, and even I don't if know. it's not great, it maybe is a scaffolding for yeah. an actual writer to go exactly. in and put some real flair to it. Exactly. This new book is really good. Man. Oh, thank I'm, you. I'm in. Thank like you. I said, I think I'm on chapter twenty four or twenty five. Nice. And um, you're writing. I liked how you shift, you switch your styles up a little bit. Yeah, you, you know, like there's like new elements to the way you do things. Thank like you. I don't want to give anything away, but when Reese is uh, uh, In that, incarcerated, yeah, yeah, there's there's like there's something to the way you're do- you're doing it differently. It's interesting. Because you don't want to have the same novel every time. Yeah. Just you pick
0: some up, somebody up, and he's a carbon cutout, and you drop him now in Europe. Now he's getting revenge. Now he's in Africa getting revenge. Mm-hmm. Now he's in China. So you know, I wanted to avoid that, and that was uh, right out of the gate. I was uh, I was cognizant of that being something that, that could be an issue if you have a success, just kind of trying right. to copy that. And I never wanted to do that. I always wanted to evolve, just like anything else in life. Like in the SEAL teams, my, uh, my whole mission was to be a better operator and a better leader today than I was yesterday, uh, personal front, be a better husband and father than I was yesterday and for writing, be a better author for the next book than I was for this one. I want my next sentence to be better than, uh, than the sentence before. So it's, um, so this one, he, James Reese is on a journey. And that's, that's, that's one of the one things that we have in common just with everyone else on this planet. We're all on a journey. There's no no matter your, your race, your religion, your socioeconomic background, you're on a journey and you don't know how much time you have on this planet. Uh, you get one ride and so got to make it count. So people are trusting me with that time which is something I take extremely seriously. So Mm. as much thought goes into any Instagram post or blog or question for a guest on my podcast or whatever it is, as goes into any sentence in the novel, and I want to always improve on that craft every single time. So James Reese is on this journey. He's not the same guy he was in the first book, not the same guy he was in the third, and he's not the same guy he is in the sixth one. He's evolving, he's learning, uh, taking those past successes and failures and taking those lessons and applying them forward. Hopefully it's wisdom. Hopefully we're all doing that, Um, except for Bud Light and Miller Light, apparently. But uh, (laughs) Miller. they <laughs> they need to read these novels, perhaps, and uh, figure out how They're only down 21%.
2: Done. No big deal.
0: No big deal. <laughs> that and that's more than a rounding error. I think that's more than a rounding error. <laughs> that's a real number. That's tough to come back from. Yeah. You know? Well, it, what's interesting will,
2: now but... is gay bars are now boycotting them because they didn't back up Dylan Mulvaney. I saw.
0: They can't. They can't win. They just waded into yeah. this thing. It's like an L ambush. You walk in and you're getting mm-hmm. hit from all sides, and you kind of cover up. And and then yeah. they did that one post. They put like their first one after that. It was uh they put the Bud Light can and they said, uh, uh, TGIF question mark. <laughs> but what they should have done this is you know hindsight they should have laid low well they could lay low and hope that somebody else messes up like Mike Miller light here a few weeks later um even though it was before we the just Miller light one is very mild it's pretty mild but it's kind of a eh, it's just eh, silly
2: on. it's just like you're 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 also attacking women you're attacking these girls that are fitness models there's nothing wrong with being a fitness fitness model, just like there's nothing wrong with being a male fitness influencer. One of those guys that does like a lot of posts on mm-hmm. lifting weights and technique, and they're shirtless, and yeah. they look jacked. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. No. There's nothing wrong with being a beautiful woman who makes a living taking photographs with beer. No, it's, we— Guys that drink it's,
0: Miller Lite like that.
2: But it's idea, this like narrow view of what a woman sh- is supposed to be, that a woman is only supposed to be a, a lady who's succeeding and killing it in the corporate world. And like, why? Mm-hmm. This is why. I saw another one that was similar
0: to that. So they said, why are we vilifying women that stay home and raise kids and handle the household and that sort of thing but celebrating the men pretending to be women who stay home and do the same thing so it's kind of like that juxtaposition uh, those dichotomies are, are interesting but well
2: particularly in the way they dress right because one of the things about trans people is that like you'll celebrate the most stereotypical Like image of what a woman is like short skirts and a lot of makeup and fake eyelashes and like elbow-high gloves and the whole deal It's like it's a caricature of what it's drag like what is drag right? It's like the most ridiculous version of what a woman is, and it's celebrated. But an actual woman like that is disparaged.
0: We live in interesting times, and I think of Bud Light. after Remember that scene from The Hangover where mm-hmm. uh, Bradley Cooper, they pull over to the side, and he's on the road. They're all beat up, and he's covered in dust and everything, and he takes that phone call, and he's like, man... We fucked up. <laughs> like, <laughs> if they just played that clip, like that, like that 10 second clip, yeah. just, people would have been like, yeah, just put that up, just put it yeah. up, and people would have been like, oh, okay, all right, everybody screws up, yeah. everybody messes up, you know, we're all trying to navigate this kind of new world, and we're all trying to do the best we can. And I went on a know? Bud
2: Light tour back oh, nice. in this, back in two thousand seven. Really? Me and Charlie Murphy and John Heffron. We went on a Real Men of Comedy Bud Light tour. Nice, like Real the, Men of Genius or mm-hmm, whatever that was. The guy from Survivor. Was with us, Jeff Probst, the guy that. Uh... No, 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 no. The the band, like Survivor, nice. Because those were the guys that would sing the song "Real Men of Genius." Oh no remember those? I do remember those. those but I did not know that was really Survivor. Funny, those no were funny kidding. ads, and funny. those guys did those ads in front of the audience. No so way. it was like, yeah, it was a fun tour. And uh, that gentleman has passed away, the Survivor guy, I believe so. As an lead singer of Survivor, didn't he pass away? Super okay. fucking cool guy, though. What a hell, hell of a really? voice, too. Dang. Yeah, so we get to hang out with those guys and travel the country with them for a month. That's awesome. Yeah, we did, like, 22 dates, and I got to become friends with Charlie and, and Heffron, and we traveled around. And that was when Bud Light embraced this humorous... Like, sort of dopey man version of, you know, beer. Which is, like, yeah, what everybody fun. likes. Yeah. Like, it's a... Do you know Shane Gillis? Mm. One of the best comics in the country. Well, he's fucking top, if saw top it, shelf. If I saw it, i know it, but... It... He's a new guy coming up, but anyway. He drinks Bud Light, and he's in a dilemma. Oh, boy. Because he'll drink Bud Light on the podcast, and we've had podcasts where he drank 16 Bud Lights. 16? Oh, in yeah. In three hours. He's a big boy. Wow. Big fellow. It's all relative. He can put know. him down. Yeah. Relative, yeah. he, he, tr- he could throw
0: out That's down some amazing, fucking beer. <laughs> Even how big you are, that's,
2: that's pretty serious. <laughs> I don't even know how, how many did the you do? fluid were you joining him. I just can't keep up with that. I'm, I'm six, seven in. I'm done. <laughs> I'm six, seven? I am 6 7 in i am done i 6 i can not stop. That's P. pretty P. good, though. Three hours. But, yeah, the Bud thing. Light is a light beer. It's yeah. only like what is the percentage of alcohol? Five percent. Yeah, it's light, it's a lot like water. Yeah, it's like it's for people that like to drink all day long. You can hydrate with it. Yeah, it's actually not to worry about it. Yeah, you, can you can don't worry about Nice little buzz. You hydrate. It's not offensive tasting. It's, no. Now it's just offensive. Yeah. You know? Well, it's just, just one ad campaign. It's just <laughs> so dumb. And the lady behind it was the, her... Oh, yeah. Just like talking about the fratty sense of humor. Like, what yeah. are you going to do? Are you Are going to replace it with this fucking mentally ill person? I know. It's, it's tough. They, they had a winning... just needs attention
0: constantly. I mean, they had a winning uh, campaign going for decades. It worked.
2: Yeah, they should have gone back to another real men of genius. Listen, you can make fun of men hardcore in those ads, and we'll laugh along with you. Absolutely. You know, it's like... It would have been fine. Yeah, but... Uh, and they would have no. got people to buy Bud Light, which you got the opposite. You got now, the opposite. Now the gay folks don't want it, the trans no. folks nobody. don't want it, nobody Everybody's wants mad it. mad at you. It's tough. They're saying... Ugh. I've read this story where this bar owner was saying that he had to stop carrying it because people were attacking people that were drinking it. Oh, my gosh. So people that were like, ah, fuck it, I don't care, I'm not right. involved in this. What are you fucking right. communist? <laughs> people just beating people's asses for having Bud Light. They were oh. having fights at the bars.
0: It's so sad. I think. It, who are they owned by now? Aren't they owned by some international corporation at this
2: point? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Are they owned by a Chinese corporation? wouldn't be surprised. Who owns Bud Light? I think somebody Anheuser in Europe. Bush. Yeah. Who owns An- Anheuser Busch? Let's find out who owns An- Anheuser Busch. That's a European company, isn't it? Maybe. But, uh, Whenever something's yeah. bad, I blame it on China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like those headlights, like those lights that you got, you know. Oh, yeah. the ones from my Land Cruiser? Those yeah. actually were from China. Yeah. yeah. They would look cool. They just died. They got water <laughs> in them somehow or another. Like, oh, jeez. It's a fucking Land Cruiser. I mean, come on. How are yeah. they not sealed?
1: I guess a company called InBev bought it. In I've never bed. heard. Of that. Well, and what's
2: InBev? Uh,
0: I don't know. It's tied to the communist. I want to short them China's right party now. <laughs> <laughs> I want
2: to call my broker. Oh, <laughs> I got a feeling this is going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Belgium, multinational. Belgium.
0: Yeah, let's manipulate some markets mm. right now. Yeah. Well, I think you could. Let's take a break, though, and we
2: yeah, <laughs> make a couple calls. So, we have this uh, podcast that we do called Protect Our Parks that I do with Shane Gillis That's and Ari right. Shafir and Mark Norman, and, and we get hammered like most of the times. Yeah. And uh, we're trying to figure out what's the least woke Beer to drink, and uh, Mark Norman said Colt 45, and I think yeah. he's right. Is he? <laughs> well, who things? owns it? We got to look it up. You don't, I know. don't know. but Colt 45, like you don't know. That is the least woke advertising campaign. It was.
0: I remember growing up; those commercials were fantastic.
2: Malt liquor. Yeah, I mean that stuff is. What is the the alcohol percentage of that? That it's stuff is brutal. More than Bud Light. Yeah, <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> that stuff's rough. That's not even real beer. It's no. malt liquor. It's Five point six. Malt liquor is? Well, Colt 45 is, according to uh,
1: really? Wikipedia. Really? What about it's
0: Old English? Wikipedia. It's an old, it's an it's a psyop. It's a psychological
2: operation. You right. just think it is. Something else in there, maybe. But they're saving old maybe. 800
1: the- is just slightly. Well, it raises, mm. it ranges from 5.9 to 8.
2: Maybe we need. Well, I would say Canada is the wokest fucking place on earth right now. Mm. I would have said go with can- Canadian beer because Canadian beer is mm-hmm. like nine percent. Yeah, they have like complex oh, stuff. There yeah, they get hammered up there. Oh, nice. Well, they I go hard. It gets yeah, cold. It gets really
0: cold. You gotta do something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> gotta do something up there. They lock themselves uh-huh. in and get fucking blastered. You
0: gotta do something up there. Who's t- someone was talking about Canada and food the other day? You don't hear about somebody saying they want to go out and have a nice
2: Canadian. Andrew meal. Schultz was that it? Oh my God! Let's play that bit. <laughs> Andrew what Schultz's bit. Did I see that? on yours? Uh, Where Did I see that? Maybe we played it here. Oh, did you? Fucking genius. He does it a bit about uh, countries that suppress their women. That's it. About how horrible it is to suppress women. That's it. It's yep. a fucking great bit. See if you can find oh, okay, it. Okay, so I do know that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I saw. This guess. is such a good bit. It's pretty clever. This is such a bit. There's a lot of countries in the world that treat women like shit. That's fucked up. But they got the best food. <laughs> 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 that's undeniable, right?
1: The more a country's like, stay in the kitchen, the better the food comes out of the kitchen, right? It does. It comes out more delicious that way. Have you ever eaten food from a country where the women are equal? Oh, get the fuck. Get it away. Get away. What is that? Equality cuisine? Move it. Move it. Move. Nobody in this room has ever said, you know what we should do for dinner tonight? Canadian. Never been said. <laughs> exactly. Never once. That's it. <laughs> Canada treats their women equally. Their food is fucking dog shit. It's disgusting. <laughs> Canadian bacon? <laughs> Kill yourself if you like Canadian bacon. What is this coaster of ham? What am I looking at? I actually like
2: Canadian
0: bacon. Yeah, Canadian bacon. Have problem problem. That maybe wasn't been the best uh, analogy. I there. know what he was doing there. Yeah, yeah. There.
2: But it's a funny joke. It is. It it's is. a great joke. But no one has said, "Let's go eat Canadian." No. I mean, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what it means Poutine, either. Poutine, I think, is all. I... Poutine's good. I think that's, that's French, though. Yeah, that's so more that. That's get?
0: more east. Yeah. You know. Yeah,
2: that's Montreal. Yeah, and there a some good restaurants. Poutine's in pretty bomb diggity. They got yeah. smoked meat. Actually, Canada has some good food. And who's the uh, the hunter that has his uh, place up? Is it Montreal? Michael Hunter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, his... it's uh, Toronto. Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Antler. Yeah. his cookbook. That's the guy that when the vegans were angry he butchered a deer in front of the window (laughs) Mm -hmm. and was he on the podcast
0: yes and so i've met him before as well super nice guy very nice so you don't think that he would do like just having talked to him like you wouldn't think that his mind would just go there to do that um but that was yeah it was pretty legit
2: well it was a smart move got him on the podcast got him him famous i mean like take advantage of me these people are like making it uncomfortable for people to go to his business yeah just because they have an idea of what you should and shouldn't eat and if someone confronted them like if you Unless you are growing your own vegetables and you know exactly what yeah. happens, you are responsible for animal death, one hundred percent. Every, fu- I mean, there's a crazy video of this um, this this uh, combine going through a field and mm. it goes to this patch. Of, uh, of 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 like uh, I guess it's probably corn or something like that, mm-hmm. and thirteen deer run out of there. Wow! Like you know how many of those de- fawns get chewed up? You know how many rabbits, rabbits, and yeah. you know like if is a life a life? Because I'll tell you what, you lose a lot of life for a pound of grain. Oh yeah. No matter what, poisoning, pesticides, herbicides, like. Yeah. This idea that you're going to have some zero karma, no worry at all vegetable dinner. Like, fuck off. You're not. Yeah.
0: Or again, just getting the things, to getting your uh, like the, or, the organic paper towels or whatever they have. You know, they yeah. have those things. Um, just getting those to the store. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, grabbing the cost of the country, the, the, the amount of insects that hit the windshield. Yeah. I mean, it depends. And who Steve Renella has that thing, right? Doesn't he have the pyramid of yes. uh, things like fish. Nobody cares that whole deal.
2: I had a post that I did on, on Instagram way back in the day called "The Hierarchy of Dead Animals That's on it. Social Media." That's it. So I said, like, if you catch a fish, no one's upset yeah. at you. Yeah. And then I showed a picture of me with a dead turkey, like eh, we're crossing into a weird area, but nobody cares. Yeah. And then I had a package of bear meat. Right just a package right. yep. just meat it mm-hmm. just said bear meat mm-hmm. and it's like you can get away with a lot you do it in a sneaky way yeah there's yeah. bear meat and that's yeah. okay
0: that was okay right not not too many people hating on yeah, that yeah the
2: line. hierarchy of dead animals on social media yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, how, when did
0: you put, May 1st, 2015. Yeah. Gosh, eight years ago.
2: Eight years ago. Amazing. Yeah, that like was probably the yesterday. last time I hunted bears. Was it? Yeah, I haven't uh, been up there in a while. Well, there, there was the pandemic, yep. and, you know, and then, you know, you couldn't get up there for a while. Yeah. Now I'm just angry at Yeah, they
0: invite, yeah, it's uh, Rivets, and they, they've been in touch and want to try to get me up there. And It's, it's a crazy love to get spot. Up there. They yeah. have so
2: many bears up there. And anyone that thinks that somehow or another bears, like, they're a protected species. Listen, go to Canada yeah. go to Alberta and go wander around the woods there are so many goddamn bears yeah they have to kill bears like yeah. they, their, their deer population their moose population all depends on it they yeah. are overrun with bears yeah no absolutely when we were up there there's bear cannibalism yeah John one of the one of the guys that was uh, this uh, Jonathan one of the sons of uh, the rivets yeah. his he saw a bear a, a male bear the boar attacked a female and uh, was trying to get to her cubs, killed one of her cubs. The female chased the bear off, and then the female ate her own cub. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The, you know these aren't te- these aren't teddy bears. Yeah. They're edible monsters.
0: Yeah. Did you did post you a picture of your Did you post a picture of your bear at one point? And that's where the hatred. there's a lot of a lot of hate. Oh, I got a lot of yeah, hate yeah. For that. yeah. They yeah, posted it. That's
2: the <laughs> <post> it. <laughs> Alaskan monsters bears go at it. What it? is uh, longest, it? most intense grizzly bear fight he's seen? Oh, jeez. Oh, no, oh, I I'm not guessing seen by that. your
1: reaction, you did not see this then. This is so May just 11th, just a, a few days ago. crazy fight. This is a yeah, few yeah. days ago here. This is an intense fight. Oh, is this not seen new? This? Yeah, it's oh, pretty oh, new. I haven't seen this one. May 11th I mean, year. we could go into, I don't, Look long. at that thing. <laughs> oh my gosh.
2: That is incredible. That's Nature's Cleanup crew, ladies and gentlemen. There it Anything is. Anything that fucks up gets eaten by this 2,000 pound monster. And here comes this guy. He's got this guy's This is
1: going to happen dangerously close to us. Oh boy! Here we go. Look how beautiful they are.
2: Look at the coat it on is those beautiful. things.
0: Gosh! Look at that backdrop. Yeah. People will say it's CGI.
2: That's what incredible. A weird life they have.
0: Look at that. I mean, that looks pretty evenly matched at this point.
2: Yeah, they're both the same size. I mean, it's... They just bite in each other's faces. See who's been training harder. Oh, fuck, man. Oh.
1: It's they do back. a lot of
2: jujitsu, wow. though. Look, look, look at right that. there. those little gramby yep. roll. There it is. Oh, <laughs> oh going for the back. <laughs> he's got it in the back. back.
0: He's been watching UFC.
2: Oh, look at that. Yeah, though. he's just bite, bite. biting oh, chunks out of his back. Oh, my gosh. And that guy's trying to get away now. He's but trying to thick too late. Their skin is so thick, and they're covered in fat. He was like, oh, that's just gosh. annoying. Like, bro, get off me. Wow.
1: I will say this goes on for, and on and on. How long do you want to watch this? Wow. This God. is a good fight. <laughs> this is pretty good. Oh, look at this. Oh. Really good attention. Oh, my gosh.
2: I like how the other bear just keeps moving though. That's good. Oh, he's trying I like to... his technique. Oh, oh, there he goes. The guy's okay. still got his back, but he's trying to reverse. Oh, he's pulled guard. <laughs> trying to get him off of him. Oh my gosh.
0: That is true That one better Jeez. run. That one better just get on those getaway
2: sticks. I don't know. I feel like he's, he's gonna, gonna the other it? guy's gonna gas out. Yeah, we're good. We're good. I'm watching. Oh my gosh. Cuz they get, the guys wasting all his time biting him in the back.
0: Yeah, maybe he's going for pick like a
2: The spine, or like, no, it's not really going to happen. No, no, I
0: mean, no one.
1: I don't think anyone dies. Oh, really? It's just, it's an intense fight. It's a crazy fight.
2: Well, you know who got the best bear fight footage before this was Grizzly Man. Oh. Which yeah. is one of my favorite all-time comedies. I haven't. <laughs> it's the I haven't best. Watched it, <laughs> you haven't watched no, it?
0: No, I keep meaning to, and I haven't watched it. But I know. Oh that, my uh, god! Yeah. Have a
2: cocktail and uh-huh. watch Grizzly Man. It yeah. is the best unintentional comedy that's ever been made. Uh. And I wonder if it's unintentional because Ver- Werner Herzog is a mm-hmm. genius. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he's made so many amazing films, and that to me is his favorite. My favorite yeah. of his films, and there's so many moments that just are laugh out loud funny. Like there's one where there's a sheriff and he's talking about like finding the body and the fact that this guy was camping with him. Oh man. And the sheriff looks at the camera and goes, "I thought he was retarded." Mm. <laughs> he, like just, it's like the way he says it.
0: You know like, that?
2: Then he cut, There's a smash cut and like the bear. Oh. The bear
0: guy always gets eaten by the bear. The shark guy ends up getting eaten by the shark. The rattlesnake guy Damn. gets it. End up getting bit by the rattlesnake.
2: What's happening with these? That's just a uh, trailer. For- oh, for oh, for Grizzly Man. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that poor guy. Well, that guy was very, very sad. Oh. He was a sad guy. And he had this idea that he was protecting them. Oh. But he just doesn't even understand. He doesn't understand wildlife conservation. And... That's so brutal. If a lion guy gets eaten by the lion. You yeah. Know, that's, it's always the way. But this one's, this is an amazing, brilliant tale of adventure and potential madness and hilarious (laughs) well i think i feel like genuinely this story was suicide by bear yeah because he stayed long after you're supposed to be there yeah he stayed after the animals were in hibernation he was very depressed and i think he kind of wanted to die yeah i really do i just think this guy just was very sad that's tough and he he very much seemed like an in the closet gay guy because, like, he said a lot of crazy shit. Like, he was walking around with a camera. He goes, I wish I was gay. If I was gay, it would be so easy. I just find a guy and hook up, but I'm not gay. I'm like, oh, are you sure? Mm. Like, it's like there's so many layers to that film. Oh, really? I'm going to have to watch it at some it's point. It's great. It's a great documentary. And it, it also it highlights how majestic these animals are. Yeah. They're so amazing. And delicious, too, if you get the right ones, eating the right stuff. I've never eaten a brown bear. No, I have not eaten a brown bear. But black bear, bears black bear. are very good. If they're eating the blueberries, just munching on those blueberries. Yes. It's, uh, I haven't had that, but uh, yeah. but Rinella says it's some of the best meat he's ever eaten. It is. It what, is. What's, what's interesting is that settlers in America, in the pioneer days, they preferred bear meat and they shot deer for their skins. Oh, Interesting. That's why like a buck. Do right. you know what a buck? Yep, a dollar. Buck deer. It's a dollar cuz yeah. that was what it what it was worth. Yeah. One of those deer skins was worth a dollar, so yeah. they called it a buck. Yep, Yeah, which is kind of crazy. That that back the, then that's a lot of money. Oh my god. Back then, a dollar is a lot of get money. get 20 of those, 30 of yeah. those, 50 of those, 100 you're, of those. You're fucking balling. Yeah. You know, yeah. the richest guy in the world at one point in time was a, a beaver pelt salesman. I, I
0: believe it. In America. I believe it. Yeah, there's a time. And those just like the stock market, the ups and downs mm-hmm. in the markets for those things. Uh, did you see that recent, uh, I think it was in Kenya. I just saw it maybe yesterday the day before. But uh, the villagers out there killed, killed a, a lion, an old lion. And it made the news, but not so much in the way that some of the others have. Because this lion uh, was... Was eating some of their livestock.
2: Mm. And they're like, oh,
0: guess what? This is killing our livestock. That's how we survive. Yeah. So we're going to kill it. So they did. Um, and of course, you know, you know, when ask more questions about well well why and why is uh why is there not hunting here and if there was hunting would that animal have had value and then would there be incentive to keep those populations uh, at a a certain level and apply the science to it and make sure but there's none of that they just kill it and that's how it goes because these things are killing your livestock that you feed your family with Uh, so it wasn't long for this earth
2: that happens with elephants with crops yeah. Oh, they
0: destroy the, a bunch of crops yeah, over there. So what they do? They kill
2: them. No idea what a farm is. <laughs> no,
0: they're not worried. They're not <laughs> that's worried. Just free they just food. go through. Yeah. I've seen those those videos, those pictures, and but that's uh, it's, that's the problem about not putting the requisite time, energy, and effort into studying an issue, no matter yeah. what that issue is, and just making a snap decision based on something that someone with a lot of followers puts out there. All of a sudden, that is your uh, that's your position as well. Rather than hmm, let me just
2: do some study here, let me think about this a little more. And yeah. Now I'll make my, my it's sort of like a woman attacking women for wearing bikinis. It's like, mm. like what, actually, let's talk about this.
0: <laughs> okay, You're ruining so, it for everyone.
2: something wrong with that. And also, <laughs> the, there's the thing about wildlife conservation that's very uncomfortable. And what's uncomfortable is that it, it really bothers us that the only way animals really have value in terms of these uh, wild populations of antelope and Gazelles and all these different things they hunt in Africa the way they've made them thrive is by putting value on them to hunt them And yeah. that bothers people a lot it does and I get it yeah I, I get why it would I mean it would be nice if all these people that were animal Conservationists spent as much money as hunters
0: yeah, but it doesn't happen. But that They way. don't
2: Nope. Maybe. they just don't. especially in America with the Pittman Robertson Act, where a, a percentage of all ammunition sales, of all gear, yeah. all hunting gear, and it turns into all that goes towards wildlife conservation, and it's, it's the tune of billions of dollars.
0: Yeah, and sportsmen uh, voted that in. Yeah, voted that in. That was a tax, self-imposed tax.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. and a
0: beautiful one. Really, yeah.
2: it's one of the uh, wildlife conservation in this country and the pr- preservation of public land for recreational use and hunting and fishing and camping is one of the greatest things this country has ever pioneered. Oh, yeah. Because it really doesn't exist or hadn't exist until we did it in this country. Out of necessity, because all those bucks added up to a lot of
0: dead deer mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of population decline yes. and so but now now we have thriving populations of these of these animals and turkeys also uh same thing and now they're all over the place we have about 200 essentially that go between a ridge by our house they come through every day up to this other ridge and then work their way back and i was heading up to see steve runella in montana a lot two weeks ago and i took a video he'd been out turkey hunting didn't see anything and i took about 200 uh <laughs> turkeys just standing there like in the road as i'm leaving the house and uh yeah right there yeah but you're in park cities turkeys.
2: no always blasting shotguns in Park City. (laughs) No, no.
0: They're they're town turkeys. They're very safe. They're very comfortable hanging out in the backyard. But I thought they were going to die this winter because there was uh, last winter they were here the whole time because we had a very mild winter last year. This year, it was not mild. It was like the largest recorded snowfall in Utah history or Park City history, anyway. And so I, they, they disappeared, and I thought, "Oh, they're gone," because it's the first time they've seen this kind right. of snow as well. But uh, they came back about three weeks ago. They came back in force, two hundred of them, right back like they never left. But uh, they,
2: do they migrate?
0: I think they found a barn somewhere with some heat. And some feed. Know. I'm thinking. I don't know. I don't know. But it has to be because they. I don't know if they can just hunker down for all those months that we got all that snow. They I don't, don't
2: know. fly very far.
0: No, but they fly. But, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see them fly for the for the first yeah. time when you're not uh, when you think that uh, maybe they don't, and then you see them go up to roost and mm-hmm. it, it, or come down, and that's that's pretty cool. That's yeah, pretty cool. But
2: yeah, I've. Um, uh, how far can they fly? I don't know. Hundred yards question. or something.
0: Maybe. I don't know. That's all I've seen them. Flies in and out yeah. of these trees, so
2: not very far. But but who knows? Maybe they maybe they do. What a weird bird could kind of fly, but they, not much. It kind of glides, you know. And th- they, they get up there and fly. Let's find out. <laughs> yeah, Let's find out right yards. now. Yards, right? It says wild turkeys can that. fly at speeds of up to forty Look miles an hour, fifty miles an hour, but only for short distances. Usually limit their flight distance to about hundred yards or less. Nice. I nailed it. You did. That right
0: on. It wasn't 101 or 99. <laughs> like, you were on it.
2: That's amazing. Well, I've seen so, them. I've yeah, seen yeah. them fly. I took a guess. How
0: many, how much have uh, you spent turkey hunting? Only once.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I only went once with Renella. Yeah. It's good, but my time is yeah. very valuable. And if I'm just hunting for one meal, that right. bothers me. Yeah. I want to hunt where if I shoot... Like um mm-hmm. I went with ranella We went down to South Texas. I got two white tail and a Neil guy, so I, I'm, I'm good. eating good yeah yeah you know it's like oh. that's that to me, I like to eat those animals for months, yeah, yeah like I've got Neil guy uh, liver and my in my, oh, in nice. my uh, refrigerator for breakfast Nice. It's Like nice. I, I like that. That's what I like. I'll I thought like it was
0: good. If you had uh, moose heart, did you guys eat the moose heart when you went? I did. Good. Yeah. Good
2: in BC. Yeah, really good. Like yeah. thin, you just th-
0: slice it real thin mm-hmm. and then fry it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, delicious. Oh
2: yeah, well, I'm a big fan of liver for its performance. Mm-hmm. like just as a food as a, as a superfood, it's so mm. good for you.
0: Well, didn't the liver guy? What was the liver guy's the deal? The liver
2: of? king? Yeah,
0: yeah. Steroids. That was yeah. the deal. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was doing it, and it didn't work. <laughs> was, just kidding. No, I wasn't. Oh, man, I'm not even working out anymore. It's like the the, uh, the workouts, the nutrition, and the sleep have fallen to the bottom of the priority list with everything going because on. Because of work. Because, yeah. yeah, there's books to write and scripts to write. Well, not right now, but you reprioritize and focus on book seven. And then I have this nonfiction coming out, which has taken a lot more research than I anticipated, which uh, the first one is uh, on the 1983, Beirut Barracks bombing. So it's uh, it's my first foray into the nonfiction side of the house. So working on that right now with an amazing guy, a historian, Pulitzer Prize finalist, James Scott. And there's really not the seminal work on that event yet. But as a kid, I remember... Uh, just how impactful that was to me, seeing the news, news week and time and uh, come across our dining room table and seeing those photos and uh, knowing that I was going to go in the military, even at that young age. So I was always interested in insurgencies and counterinsurgencies and terrorism and special operations. Like I was focused on that from a very I'm not aware of the,
2: that story.
0: Yeah, so October of, uh, of 1983, um, there was a uh, two actual car, car bombs, one with the French paratroopers and one with the Marine barracks in Beirut, Lebanon. And uh, there were some some lead up events, Uh, first one in or the first large one that really people noticed uh, the uh, bombing of the American embassy in Beirut in April 1983. And then there's some newly declassified documents from the Reagan administration that talk about what was going on behind the scenes and who was advocating to put Marines ashore, who wanted to keep them on uh, amphib ships. So a little, a little smaller than an aircraft carrier, but take Marines around, uh, who wanted to keep them on those ships in a little safer area out on the, on the water in the Med. And, um, and then who made the decision? Well, the president made the final decision. And I talked to Michael Reagan about it. And he said that decision haunted his father until the day he died and uh so they put marines ashore in beirut lebanon and then there was a, uh, a a bomb that that uh that took out those barracks and it was the largest marine loss of life since iwo jima in world war ii mm. and uh I, so i'm doing this research right now how um, many people died there were oh, 300 we can look it up exactly so i don't mess, so i don't mess it up by one uh, or two but uh it's so impactful and looms over u.s foreign policy to this day and there's a there's an ending to it too 307 so, yeah there it is
2: 241 u.s military personnel um, 58 personnel french. 58 french six civilians two suicide bombers yeah so, what, what is your take on what's going on in ukraine are you up on it and-
0: up on it i mean i'm not on it in uh because I know you're writing. I'm about writing it. about it. I'm writing about it. I wrote about it in the second novel, in, uh, in, um, in True Believer. And I got that from someone who's also been on this podcast, Peter Zeihan wrote a book back in uh, uh, 2014. And so I used that. I read that on my flight to Mozambique where I was doing research for the second novel, even though I didn't have a deal for the first novel yet. I hadn't even turned that in, but I always knew I was going to write two because um, John Grisham, he wrote his first book, A Time to Kill, and couldn't give that book away. And then he writes The Firm. And that one takes off. Tom Cruise is in the movie. Then they republish A Time to Kill. And Matthew McConaughey stars in that one. And we've had a John Grisham novel every year. So mm. I thought back to that and thought, I'll at least write two. And if both of them don't take off, then I'll maybe reevaluate my choices. So, uh, so I knew I was always going write, to write two. But on the flight over there, I read uh, his book, Accidental Superpower. And uh, that one very clearly predicts a Russian invasion of Ukraine by the year. 2022 and that was back in 2014 he wrote that so there were signs peter zion was that on the ball to the year to the exact he's a
2: weirdly smart guy he's amazing yeah he's been on my podcast and uh, he's been on your podcast and i've read all his books he's so sure of what he's saying too that's what's uncomfortable he's he's very you're you're not even hedging your bets
0: no no and he's not he doesn't hedge the bets at all and but he but he also that's his thing that is 100% his area of expertise and study he lives it he breathes it it's not something that he just dabbles in mm. so read that book amazing amazing book so i incorporated that into my into my second novel but now Russia actually did invade Ukraine. So now when we work on these scripts for the second season of The Terminal List, well, we have to figure that out. It's going to change, obviously, because they actually invaded instead of, like in the book, um, the, the hero, of course, wins the day. But, um, but when he talks about that and talks about population decline, very steep population decline in Russia and gives the reasons behind it mm-hmm. and uh, talks about the ethnic Russian population in Ukraine being the largest outside of Russia, and he looked at how long you can field an army uh, before you can't field that army anymore and 2022 was that year so in order to field the army at current levels they had to invade by that time and we really i mean this is going back to to uh learning lessons from the past and applying them Going forward is wisdom because we really made that invasion inevitable by some of our decisions at the end of the Cold War in the early '90s, all the way through the '90s, and really set things up to uh, to make that invasion a uh, ine- inevitability.
2: NATO unfortunately. expansion.
0: NATO expansion promises. Uh, yeah. It's just. So so I like to look at things through the enemy's eyes, which I did in The Devil's Hand, my fourth book. But I think it's important to look at things through the enemy's eyes because it allows you to then make decisions taking that into account. And so with Russia certainly knowing what our response would be to an invasion of Ukraine, that's what I incorporated into this one. So if you mm. knew what we would do if they invaded Ukraine, what should you do now as Russia to set yourself up um, success is the wrong word but uh, but financially so with gas and oil sales and contracts and futures with India and with China so I work all that into this book so it was quite uh, it was quite the education
2: what did you think about the blowing up of the pipeline
0: oh my goodness there's yeah, the Seymour Hirsch that has a few yeah. uh, articles out there on substack yeah amazing people should read those before they just retweet something um, but he is I mean he is detailed in those accounts of yeah. uh, where people are, what what military exercises are going on that would cover, a cover for action, we call it, uh, to allow uh, the U.S. to go in and blow up those pipelines. Um, so it's it's very, and now it's, it's I think, fairly established that uh, what he writes in there is actually true. Uh, so it's, uh, it's incredible.
2: So people well, there's a video of were. Biden saying that they were going to put a stop to the Nord Stream pipeline. Uh-huh, and there was an assistant secretary of state, I think said. she
0: was, saying similar things yeah. out there. And it's... Yeah. So when we go back and look at these things and uh, don't apply any political bias to it and just apply common sense, that's the other thing we don't do. And uh, it's Carl uh, Clausewitz, who wrote On War, said the most important attribute of a battlefield leader is common sense. George Marshall, World War II, said the same thing. And uh, we neglect to apply common sense to a lot of these things, whether it's as a populace or our, our elected officials or uh, military leaders. So there's a lack of common sense in the end, and a stark uh, lack of accountability as well. So it's very therapeutic for me to write some of these novels because I get to hold people accountable in a fictional sense that you couldn't do
2: in real life. Is it a lack of common sense or is it a willingness to ignore consequences because of the financial interest or the, the political interest? and what you're trying to accomplish.
0: That's a huge part of it, and we can see a change in 1947. So when the defense establishment and the intelligence agencies were all reorganized in 1947, when we changed the uh, Department of War to the Department of Defense, uh, it became an industry. And uh, it stopped being a profession of arms and started becoming a career of arms for senior level uh, officers in particular. And at the same time, we start seeing a lack of accountability. Because up to that point, we go back to the Civil War and see Lincoln go through general after general until he got to Grant. And same thing in World War II. George Marshall went through general after general after general, admiral after admiral after admiral until he got to those names that we all know today who led us to victory in World War II. And then for some reason. And that means that there were people in those positions before who didn't measure up. So George Marshall would give them a chance and maybe a second one, but not a third. And then they'd put somebody in place, regardless, regardless of rank, essentially. Um, he, he'd promote people into the rank they needed to be for those positions if they showed promise. And uh, that's how we got to these leaders that we all know the last names of. And we lost that after World War II, particularly in Vietnam. Now we start seeing people not held accountable for mistakes. We certainly see it with Afghanistan. 20 years they had to prepare for this eventuality. 20 years. And then the best they can do is what we saw in August of 2021. And someone who has no touch points with the military, never read a book on military history, strategy, tactics, doesn't know anyone in the military, maybe you've never seen a military film, can apply common sense to that situation and say, look, wait, it looks like Bagram here would be the tactically advantageous position, which it was. Why are we putting our junior level enlisted people at this gate, at this essentially a public airport in Kabul, putting them in a tactically disadvantageous position to get out of there after we had 20 years to prepare to leave? And once again, no one held accountable. And there's a great book. It's uh, called The Afghanistan Papers by Craig Whitlock. And after two Freedom of Information Act lawsuits by The Washington Post, they got access to these classified histories of the war. And so they took these generals and admirals coming back, and they interviewed them. And they thought these interviews were going to stay classified. And so he, what Craig Whitlock does, once he got access to this, is he juxtaposes what they said in private, that they thought was going to stay classified, to what they said in front of Congress. And they are 180 out from each other. Mm. And once again, no one held accountable. All those guys make rank, they fail up, and then sit on boards of defense industry companies going forward. And
2: yeah, we saw that change 1947 onward. You cover some of these problems in your books. Yeah. And but how frustrating is it for you and how infuriating infuriating is it as a man who's a veteran, who served, who's been deployed overseas, who's been in these conflicts, to to see this happening and to see no accountability and to see these poor choices being made over and over again that put veterans' lives at risk, put our lives at risk and put the entire world in this state right now where we're we're genuinely concerned about nuclear war yeah which we haven't been since the 80s right the yeah. fall of the soviet union was this great moment in history where yeah. we're like oh jesus we're done yeah oh my god we soviet thought. union is now russia it's like it's they they have elected leaders everything's going to be great
0: and yeah Yeah, no, it's tough because you lose friends over there. People lose arms, legs uh, in wheelchairs. They sacrifice so much. And they're trusting those senior level leaders to make good decisions, politicians and military leaders. And then they see what happens over there. And so it's very natural to ask that question. Was it all was it all worth it? What were we doing over there for all these years for 20 years? Um, So it's very natural to ask that question. And You know, for for my own sanity, I just go back to taking those lessons learned and applying them going forward in a way that honors the sacrifice of those who who did lose their lives, who didn't come home or who came home changed forever because of post-traumatic stress or traumatic brain injury, missing arms and legs. And um, my my, hope, I hate to say hope, is that uh, we can take those lessons and apply them to the next generation so they don't have to learn those same lessons in blood. But I guess I'm not hopeful because uh, we have shown time and time again that we uh, have a very difficult time doing that for some reason, and I don't know why that is. But uh, it's extremely disheartening, and is, it also sets a it also sets a uh, sets up that next generation for failure because you have yeah. these people coming up the ranks, and they see these uh, these generals sit in front of Congress, say certain things. You can go back to every single testimony from these guys, and they all said they all say pretty much the same thing: we're making progress. We just need more money. We need more time. Um, the, and they're privately, what were they saying? They're were saying that this is a disaster. Yeah. And you can go back and look at these. Then, And Craig Willock spells it all out. He has the transcripts in there. And there's one, uh, and I forget who it is right now, an exact time, but it's around the 2009, 2010 timeframe where there's one senior level official who's in charge of Afghanistan. He doesn't even say anything bad. He's just kind of like, you know, it's not going as great as we uh, may have led you to believe. And then a few months later, he has quietly moved aside and somebody else is put in. So that oh. tells everybody else coming up behind them Shut that, hey, mouth. if they want to get this next star and they want to sit on the board of company X, Y or Z, they better tow this line. And it's uh, it's an industry.
2: Is that an issue where the amount of money that's involved in it now because of the military industrial complex is almost it's it's like you can't turn that back now because you've turned on that spigot, the, the amount of money is continuing to flow. These coffers are filling. These people are making so much money to stop it now and to hold people accountable and to try to like, put an end to this chain of failure. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's a huge bureaucracy. It's a it's an ecosystem that yeah. includes uh, politicians. It includes military leaders, both in uniform and just out sitting on these boards. Lobbyists, permanent Washington. It's all a part of this huge infrastructure that is moving forward. And just like
2: any company, got to show profits. It's just crazy that. You know less than a hundred years ago Eisenhower warned us about this mm-hmm. at the end of World War II, when he's leaving office He warned us about it in the 50s mm-hmm. and said there is a military industrial complex and the crazy thing is that speech at that time mm-hmm. aired on television and People you know remember it they had a sense of it But it wasn't until the internet where you could pull up that speech at any moment You wanted to on YouTube and just play his words which is such an incredible resource i mean we have access to history instantaneously in a way that's never existed before and we seem to be learning less I know it's one it's of those weird. dichotomies
0: that is—it's uh, very odd. And we all thought when that when you could carry the internet around in your pocket with that first iPhone, yeah. I mean, you thought, oh, when we have a discussion and someone says, no, it's this, you know, it's this. Guess what? We don't have to argue about it. We can look it up right here, and yeah. it's going to be great because we can solve all these arguments immediately. And what did it do? Well, it just snowballed into this thing where it divides us even further. Rather than yeah. someone saying, oh look, oh I was wrong. Oh yeah, it says it right here. Yeah, no, it just divides us even further. And of course, advent of social media—it's a web, it's a tool, and any tool can be used for for productive purposes or as a weapon. And yeah. we have weaponized social media for sure to divide. And who benefits? Well, politicians that need to galvanize bases, of course, and the social media companies themselves who have lobbyists in Washington, uh, who pay a lot of money to these politicians. And it's a it's a whole ecosystem. And so being aware of it, I think, is the first step. So for our kids, I talk about it with them and uh, I always ask the question, how am I being manipulated? here, that, which is kind of a cynical way to look at things, but you kind of have to today. And then with the advent of AI, that's a whole another nother side of it, like we, f- figuring out what is truth and what is not and what's been made up and what podcast is real and what's no. not. It's, uh, it's a crazy situation. But I want the kids to know that even if they're following somebody on social media, like a person, that's an advertisement for that person and their life and you can see time and time again beautiful families out there and they're showing here we are in Aruba or whatever and here we are with our Easter photo together and then the next week there's their divorce and there's abuse and there's all that yeah. you know and it's like yeah, this whole thing was all a farce isn't um, that crazy yeah so that's Is an advertising it, I, I just always, like a company
2: when I see someone doing something like that I always assume that you're trying to like you're trying uh, to sell me something yeah exactly like, come on why are you trying to sell me your relationship so good
0: exactly <laughs>
2: exactly how am I being manipulated right here it's one so. thing it's Mother's Day you know yeah. she's such a great mom yeah. okay okay yeah. but how many days a week are you doing that you know? right okay. right you have the perfect family of the perfect life you're the perfect this it's mm-hmm. so like you're trying to sell it to people instead of yeah. just living it and it's a, it's a very weird thing that we're doing that never existed before so there's no real road map right of how to navigate it correctly exactly it's
0: kind of like the when you have a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist on and you know they're, they're they're really getting into your life maybe or they're out there giving advice mm-hmm. giving all this advice and then you find out that in the background there they're a total disaster right and they are a crazy person uh, that happens more often than I not sorry to psychologists and psychologists out there but you know it's true
2: oh it's very true I mean there's a lot of doctors out there that are extremely unhealthy so oh. there's a lot of weird stuff going on in this world where there's people that are experts and giving advice and they oh. Yeah. I know, it's tough. I think about that a lot when I talk. I'm like, man, better, better not be full of shit. I know, it's yeah. tough. <laughs> and are you supposed
0: to check all this? You're, you're, yeah. It's a full-time job checking on this stuff, and it's wild. And but for the kids, it's the toughest. Like our daughter just missed it. She's 17, so she got a little bit of it. But She I think grew up, up with the internet. If you, if she grew up with the internet, but she didn't grow up with the amount of input that these kids are getting now at age 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Exactly. Yeah. She just missed that. Yeah. Um, so our little guy who is uh, who is 12 is hitting that. That side and you know they're they're pretty sly. Our, yeah. our little guy out there, he's a smart one, so he can uh, you can figure out ways around the blocks and, and all these other sorts of things. So it's a it's interesting time for parents, tough time I think for parents and tough time for kids. I think really it's for kids.
2: Oh, I think it's always been a tough time for parents and always been a tough time for kids. Yeah. And these are just unique challenges that exist. But every era has unique challenges. yeah What I'm worried about is this. This stuff that we're talking about in terms of accountability with Mm -hmm. uh, the military-industrial complex, and and I don't know how that turns around. I don't know. Other than some catastrophic disaster, and the catastrophic disasters that we're talking about are nuclear. And if there's a nuclear disaster. You know, it's that Einstein quote, I don't know what weapons World War III will be fought with, but World War IV will be fought with rocks and sticks. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I've never heard that quote before. That's, yeah. that is... I might have paraphrased it. I'm sure hey, I did. Yeah, it's good, But though. it's basically what he said. Yeah. And that's what scares the shit out of me is that, you know, you got a guy like Putin who may or may not have cancer, you know, who's backed into a corner. And what does he do if he thinks he's going to lose and he thinks he's going to die?
0: Right. Yeah. So the only thing I think about in that point is what, what, who, who benefits if you use even tactical nuclear weapons in a place like Ukraine? That's the area that they want. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't. When you look at it logically, uh, maybe they can move some things around on a board and move move nuclear weapons closer or farther away or that sort of a thing. Is kind of pieces on a chessboard. But mm-hmm. if you want to invade a country because you want its population and because you want its food sources, um, then to nuke it doesn't really play in. Um, Unless so,
2: they think they're going to lose Russia.
0: It, and that's that's with the population decline. There are essentially a few, according to, to Peter Zeehan, is uh, there are a few generations away from the same thing with China with the one trial policy. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're in a similar situation there. Japan and they has a giant population they have an issue too. collapse issue as well. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's tough.
2: It's nuts. It's a, there's so many. I mean, who the fuck would want to be president?
0: I Seriously, that's I'm the whole imagine. thing. Just a politician in general. Yeah. I mean, who's drawn to that? I mean I'm sure there's I mean there there are I'm sure there are people that are drawn to it for pure reasons and want to serve and they made they've started businesses and made money and want to give back and they're concerned about the future of the country. I'm sure they exist, but man, people get into those positions and they sure do pick stocks a lot better than they did
2: before. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Across an, the board. Yeah. And that's not just Nancy Pelosi. No.
0: It's oh. a whole thing. It's part of that established, part of that permanent Washington. It's, it's part of the ecosystem. And it's uh, it's how that's, it is.
2: That's the motivation is and that it, the access to information that allows you to pick stocks so good.
0: It's incredible. And in, that, in my first book, I talk about, hey, you show me a politician in Washington, and I'm going to show you a family member who has some sort of a lobbying firm or mm-hmm. this or that. And then what are we seeing with uh, the Biden administration? You're seeing <sighs> some of that right now in the,
2: in the front pages. For they me. are just holding on to that as long as they can because <laughs> it seems like that is a crazy mountain of corruption yeah and i don't think it's a, i don't think it is only them i want you to imagine if that was trump oh, <laughs> imagine if donald trump jr was hunter biden yeah smoking street crack with vietnamese hookers <laughs> and and yeah. just and all of it documented it's not like rumors like the steel dossier where they're mm-hmm. like trump likes to get peed on no, like, like <laughs> this guy's getting foot jobs and putting uh, it on his laptop and then dropping it off in Maryland. Yeah, I, but I'm skeptical about everything. I mean, skeptical about the laptop story. Like all, I mean, uh, it's it's sort of it's burned into our brains. Like that's what happened. But I think like ten years from now we'll probably feel, find out that that's horseshit too. I mean, who fucking knows? I don't know. I've known a couple of people that
0: uh, <laughs> just put stuff, I don't, So I know a couple people that saw it right off the bat,
1: mm. and
0: uh, and what it has been kept to. In the news, from my understanding, is the professional side. So the people who saw it are people who didn't have a vested interest in showing any of the, the personal stuff. Which some of is out there, mm-hmm. but um, and this is secondhand information. So, um, but there's stuff out there that is personally a lot more, I guess, damaging. You would say that's mm-hmm. horrible. But what they tried to stay to, for the most part, is the ties to the corruption. Exactly. The
2: exactly. corruption's undeniable. I mean, just the. The the fact that he's just completely unqualified to be in those positions that he's at, making the kind of money that he was making, uh, and doing it for Russia and China, it's just it's so. And Ukraine, yeah, the the, the you know, I mean, it's what's crazy is that Ukraine was thought to be one of the most corrupt countries mm-hmm. up until Russia invaded them, and now they're the darling. You get Sean Penn's giving his Oscar to Zelensky, and it's like. We are so fucking lost.
0: Well, that's what goes back to doing the research, and really before you take that step, going back and you know making sure you're taking the right one. Um, but but it,
2: for the American people, it's almost like there's too much research to do. You don't have the time for the average person that wants to. Mm-hmm. If you have a conservative position or or uh, a liberal position. It's like, boy, you have to trust in these fucking jackasses that are running the country to be steering you correctly, and they never are. No. They never are. It's so tough. They lie about anything that's going to damage their party. They lie about anything that's going to damage their positions or anything that's going to contradict what what they've said in the past. It's... It's crazy. It's crazy, and you, and I talk about it in most of the books. I weave it.
0: I weave it in there. That mm-hmm. uh, that it, so it's not. I don't think it is just reserved for one party. But we're, no. we're, we're divided along these lines. Yeah. And uh, but who does it benefit? Certainly not the citizen, really. Certainly not us. Uh, it doesn't benefit us to say just side with your side because it's your side right. without even thinking. And that's the kind of that's the position we're in right now, unfortunately.
2: What benefits the people who make the most money, which is so terrifying. And then you see these politicians that just. They they benefit from benefiting those people that make the most money. It's
0: it's an ecosystem. And, it is. Uh, it's so huge right now. Then then you lose you undercut confidence in in voting systems. Mm-hmm. So there so that's in there now. Um, and then you have let's say going back to Hunter Biden, Biden laptop. You have fifty what 51, 52 intelligence officials who signed some letter that's now shown that it's that uh, they were coerced into signing not coerced into signing this thing but they uh, they they signed it for a reason to give their Candidate, the establishment candidate, a uh, a talking point in uh, in a debate, and that undercuts everyone's confidence in those institutions anyway. And it was always a little shaky, uh, your confidence in an intelligence service, just
2: in general. Yes. Uh, well, particularly after the Trump administration attacked them for four years, the Trump administration attacked the intelligence community, and then what does the intelligence community do? They come out and lie about the Hunter Biden laptop. It's, so it's like, hey, guys, like,
0: and that just undermines all of our confidence in these institutions. Yeah, and, and the FBI, same thing. It's just huge, mm-hmm. huge issues there, and then it goes down to the local level, um, and and local level politics as well, with police departments, and mayors, and and all the rest of it. So it's, you know, it's endemic throughout the whole
2: system, unfortunately. How does that ever get corrected? That's I mean, I don't want. I mean, when I have conversations with my kids about politics and life and stuff, it's like, you know, I'm. My young kids. I'm talking. Not my my oldest is 26. I don't, I don't, my my when I'm talking to my 12, well now 13 and 14 year olds, uh, and 15 year olds. When I'm talking to them, like they're at this point where they're going to be graduating from high school in a few years. They're going to be going to college. They're going to be entering to the workforce and doing stuff. What what do you tell them about this insanely corrupt system that's supposed to be? The, the controlling operating system of this greatest country the world has ever known, this experiment in self-government, and it's just deeply corrupt.
0: It is. And uh, so what, what we do is uh, we go back and talk about all those sacrifices that were made so we can have these options and opportunities in the hopes that, uh, that our kids take a pause and actually yeah. become part of the, the solution and respect what has happened in the past so that we can be this country we are today, even though it seems to be we seem to be pretty good at destroying ourselves from the inside out right now. We did have a civil war. And at the end of that civil war, we did manage to come back together. So that gives me hope. Right there.
2: Took a long-ass time. It
0: took some time. There were people that didn't want it to happen. A lot of
2: murder in the Appalachians.
0: (laughs) And we didn't have social media. We didn't didn't have have this tool that you could use to continue to divide. So I often wonder, after the Civil War, if we had iPhones in our pockets um, and two sides or even some some other factions that wanted to continue to divide and either prolong or whatever it was, would we still have come back together?
2: I think social media is a problem, but at least social media has this at least with Elon on board. Mm -hmm. Elon being in control of Twitter has this self-correcting option that's built in with community notes where, say, if you are a politician and you tweet something Mm. and a bunch of people say that is not correct at all, Twitter will put a community note on and show all the real facts. Uh And the Biden administration has deleted tweets because they've been. Checked. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. So you've seen it out there, the oh, community yeah. thing? I haven't seen it yet. I The is co- they have deleted at least one that I'm <laughs> aware of. I think it's more than one. There. Really? Yeah, it's like that's hey. the good thing about social media as it exists. But that's why, you know, the, all these people that are mad that Elon took over, oh, you're just letting in these jackasses that were banned in the past. Like, the only answer is... To bad speech is better speech. The only answer to bad information is correct information. And if you ban that information, then they just find some echo chamber and spit it out amongst Mm -hmm. each other. And that's how you get QAnon. That's how you get Mm -hmm. flat earthers. That's how you get. (laughs) All yeah. these fucking loons out there.
0: So, if you want to maintain hope for the nation, don't go into the comment section of Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> or YouTube, because very quickly you will come to the conclusion that all is lost.
2: I don't know about Twitter anymore. I, I, you know, Maybe I don't better. read anything about myself, and it's it's given me great sanity yeah. over the last few years. It's a giant, it's a giant factor, and I try to b- drill it into all these comedians' heads. Yeah, like please don't read the comments. Just don't yeah. do it because. No. First of all, you're with when, it, especially if they do a podcast. If you're yeah. doing this, like uh, I had um, my friends uh, Sarah uh, Wineshank and King, Kim Congdon on. And after the podcast was over, I was like, please don't, don't read it. the comments. Yeah. Just please. We had a great time. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I think it was really funny. Yeah. Don't read the comments. But these they girls did? are- Of course they did. Yeah. <sighs> <They're> used- <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> They're used to- Small podcasts that might get a thousand downloads or a couple thousand downloads. Now you got eleven million people that are commenting on yeah. every fucking thing you have said, right. and the only thing you're going to think of is the negatives. Yeah, and, and these girls suck. And they're fucking losers. and are not funny. They're this. They're that. Like, those are just uh, unhappy, bitter people. Mm-hmm. You know who's his, was it? Michael Jordan who said. It? I don't. I don't remember who said it. Uh, I've never met a hater doing better than me. Right. I don't remember right. who said it. But it's the perfect. Right. The perfect quote. Yeah. Like you, you've got people that are allowed to have their opinions. They're allowed to be angry. They're allowed to be bitter. They're allowed to say you suck. They're allowed to say you're a liar. They're allowed to say you're stupid. Mm-hmm. Let them talk. It's yeah. okay. Let yeah. them talk, but just so don't tough. read it. It's even yeah. even it's if you have thick skin, you. it still gets in there. It gets in there. Yeah. It gets in there. You know, that's why I don't read it. I don't It's not I, I, I don't not read it because uh, I, well, it's not like I'm immune. Right. I read it because like... It's natural human nature to look for threats. Yeah. And if you read a hundred quotes that are great and then one that sucks yep. and that one person says this person should kill themselves and they're mm-hmm. they're you know, they're a this and a that and a that and a this and they're like, yep. Oh my god, am I that person?
0: Uh, and you can't engage, you can't no. go back and it just you know
2: it, it, I see ugh. people that do and I'm like, Jesus uh, Christ, you're I just ex- you're just throwing gasoline on it. Exactly. Get when, the fuck out of there. How, how long did you look at comments before when did you stop years. looking at comments? For years I looked at comments. Yeah. And it would make me feel bad. I yeah. didn't like it I didn't like I didn't like getting mad and didn't like like that's not true fuck right. them I'm going to fucking I'm going to come back I'm going to look at your yeah. Instagram look at you you fucking fat right. loser but it's <laughs> that's that's just w- yeah. the way I try to t- explain it to people is look at your mind and your attention like it is bandwidth. And mm-hmm. let's, let's assume yep. that you have units. Yep. You have 100 units of bandwidth. If you spend 13 units of bandwidth mm-hmm. paying attention to social media critics and comments, yep. that's 13 less. Now you only have 87 units. Right. So to, to – I, I, Sam Harris told me once that he was on a, a trip in Hawaii with his family. And he read something negative about him, and it tanked his whole trip because he spent his entire time crafting a response. Uh, I'm like, God nope, damn. Nope. And he's brilliant. Yeah. He's a very smart man. Yeah. So for him to fall into that trap,
0: yeah, and it can, and we're all human. Yeah, and, uh, and no matter if you're a special operator, people think you have this thick skin and yeah. you're tough. You went to Iraq in Afghanistan mm-hmm. and Afghanistan made through buds or all that stuff. You know, it, for me anyway, it, I, you know, it, it definitely hurts. But I try to get on there still and say thank you to people because I'm not quite. I can still do it at the end of the night. I'm That's exhausted beautiful. But I want to say thank you. But it also means I see the craziness. Yeah, and so I see that. I never respond to it, but I want to say thank you to all those people who grassroots like before I, you know, before you were yeah. enough to invite me on here before I before Chris Pratt texted about the show or, or posted about the show before i was on tucker it was all grassroots it was all somebody taking a risk on me as a new author telling a friend and so yeah. when people get on and say hey i love your book i gave it to my dad now he's a fan i want to say thank you to that person so i'm up late doing that but it also means that i see the craziness.
2: yeah that's uh, there's a there comes a point in time where you just have to post things and then say thank you in the post yeah. but you can't respond to people individually just because it's just bad for your brain yeah it's not healthy no and uh, you know i mean you're saying with special operators but i see it with fighters i try sure. to tell fighters all the time time don't read that shit man yeah. it's, 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 and some guys love it really? David Goggins fucking loves it does he get in there after people he reads all the comments out to he reads haters <laughs> to himself and he plays it when he runs oh wow yeah, he's a, he's a different kind of psycho. Wow, that's interesting. Is, he st- <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is that cheating then? If he's, we can't listen to music,
2: then that's cheating. He just <laughs> needs to listen. <laughs> oh, yeah, has, that's right. That guy has <laughs> no knees, and he runs a 1,000 miles a day. I mean, oh, whatever the gosh. fuck he has to do to do what he does. That's interesting. I
0: do, So I do. I haven't done it in a while, but I used to read, go into the negative reviews on Amazon and, and then read those and kind of have a little fun with them. And mm-hmm. when I went on Tucker, I read the negative reviews from the show, and that was fun because the Daily Beast was, oh, they were just mean. There were some mean ones out there. Like the audience on Rotten Tomatoes was crazy. Crazy high for a show. I mean, it was in the high 90s. Yeah. And then, uh, but then the audio, the uh, critics didn't weren't big fans. But every single day, we realized, and we're making that show that we're not making it for critics. We're making it for that person who went downrange to Iraq and Afghanistan over the last 20 years. So when they sit down and crack a beer and sit on the couch and turn this thing on, that they at least know we put in the effort to make a show for them that paid tribute
2: to them that was rooted in the realities of modern combat, and uh, we put in the work. You fucking nailed it. Oh, no you. doubt. And thank you deal. nailed it on the show. Though They made that show so fucking gritty. And whenever someone makes an adaptation of a very brutal novel or multiple novels like mm-hmm. yours, you always wonder, like, oh, God, are they going to be able to really do? And they did, man. Yeah. They fucking did. Yeah, that's a tribute to to Chris Pratt and
0: Antoine Fuqua, who were mm-hmm. from the get-go. They wanted this thing. They wanted to make it for the people who went downrange. Yes. And uh, every single day, we talked about that, knowing that there's going to be like there's going to be Hollywood hot sauce in anything. You got got to do that. But anywhere we could, anywhere we could re- root this in the realities of modern combat, we were going to do that. And if we had to reshoot something or change something in the script on the fly, we were going to do that. And that's that's Chris and Antoine and the showrunner David Agilio and Max Adams, former Army Ranger, who's in that writers' room every day, and and uh, Jared Shaw, my buddy, who was there every day, who gave the book to to chris pratt and uh and Raymond Doze, another seal buddy out there doing the technical advising i mean they were all in and you had chris and antoine and david digilio trusting those guys on set every day so if one of them said this is not going to play to that person who went to iraq and afghanistan we'd change it right there and yeah. that's pretty cool
2: that is very cool and you know at the end of the day those people that were critics they were never going to like it they don't no. like that subject no. matter it's not you really you really There's room for criticism and the criticism should be reserved for people that actually understand what they're talking about and you look, something like the Daily Beast, it exists. It's, it's okay. <laughs> that's cool, too. That's oh, fine. It's, it's cool to shit on them. Yeah,
0: and it was fun to read it and have a good time with it on uh, on Tucker. I got so many uh, people reaching out to me saying they love that, and we just had a little fun on a Friday reading those things and, you know, just reading their own words back to them and having a little fun with it. So yeah. uh, so that's kind of a healthy way to deal with it rather than, than looking at it and just trying to craft that response or, like, getting mad about it. Like, they're going to mm-hmm. hate it anyway, and that's Okay. That's yeah. Not, it's not their thing. There's plenty of other things out there that they can love and that's that's okay. We're going to make something something for us here and then that's what we're doing. We're taking that guiding principle because I don't think Amazon will ever none of those streaming streaming companies will ever share their their data. Um, but they know exactly how many people watched every single show, when they changed the channel, when they got to an end of episode and didn't go to the next one. They have all that data. And uh, that's the reason that we're doing a spinoff and a second yes. season. Um, is because What's they know... the spinoff? So spinoff is uh, there's a character, Ben Edwards. And uh, so spoiler alert for those who have not seen it. We'll just give you two seconds to, to uh, put the earmuffs on. Um, so he's killed at the end. And uh, so it's a prequel that goes back to show how he went from the SEAL teams to the CIA, essentially how he turns bad. It's played by Taylor Kitsch, Mm. uh, who was just awesome. And that's one of the characters I thought was more fully developed than the character in my novel. And uh, on the page, and then what Taylor Kitsch brought to it was just next level. So uh, when we did the premiere in L.A. in June, and it debuted on uh, July 1st, but we did the premiere in June, I came home and for some reason I had a day without interruption I don't know where my wife and kids were but I was sitting in a chair that I would never sit in if I didn't want to be interrupted and I wrote from uh, the second I woke up all the way through the night until uh, until they got back and I wrote a spinoff and uh, and I sent it to the, the showrunner, David DiGiulio, and he loved it and then a couple of days later, Chris Pratt called and he's like, hey, I have this idea for a spinoff and he pitched me on it and it wasn't mine. It was not my spinoff. Mine was totally different and his was this Taylor Kitsch of, a spinoff, a prequel going back in time a little bit and uh, I said, Chris, that's amazing. Let's do that. That's a great idea and uh, so he pitched it to Taylor. Taylor was all on board and then we put a package together and pitched it to Amazon and they loved it and so off uh, we go to the races with this spinoff, which is more of an international espionage type of a show, rather than revenge thriller, action thriller, conspiracy thriller, like the first one, mm. and it is awesome, and also nobody can compare it to a book, so even fans of the book that look at it and say this is different, this is different, this oh, is different I hate it, because yeah. there's no prequel yeah. and, and then that leads right into the second season True Believer starring Chris Pratt, and so we'll roll right into that, um, and things in Hollywood as you know can go off the rails at any time, so I always have, you know, that's just how it goes, but right now, we're working on those scripts, or well, we put the pencils down about five days ago now, six days ago seven days ago for the writer strike but uh we were about at episode five and uh, it's good oh man it's That's awesome That's awesome yeah
2: yeah and so really when cool. was that supposed to go into production
0: uh we we're supposed to do it sometime in the in the fall and um or early fall and, and start filming then and then post-production and you know who knows when they
2: get it out after that but um international Have made- this time have they made progress with the strike? Are they? I
0: don't know. I think they're, they're picketing right now, so I think it's the early stages still, and there's so much to negotiate. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I would think it might take a little bit with this one. I don't know.
2: Yeah, don't when know. someone crosses the riders strike, that's the, that's some dirty shit. Yeah, they, they cross the picket line. Yeah, I don't
0: think I haven't seen anybody doing that yet. I think Ellen seems... did.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I had a buddy of mine who was riding on Ellen. Oh. Back in the day. Oh well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's tough, cause then all you're going forward. everybody know, everybody's like, "Hey, you're the one that didn't stand up.
2: Well, also, <laughs> oh, well. everybody kind of knows now yeah, yeah. what yeah. she's really all about. And that's another one of those. Like press. I'm so nice and I'm so sweet and interesting. Yeah. yeah. Very
0: interesting. So Just that's the, yeah, mean go behind the scenes. That's tough. That's weird when that happens. Like it happens know, a lot. Cause people ask me about you. People ask me and people give me things to, as you know, people probably send you things all the time. People send me stuff. Can you get this to Chris? Can you get this to Joe? Can you get this to Tucker type things? Mm-hmm. And you're like, hey. um, but, uh, it so that part is, is kind of strange, but people always ask, you know, what those people are like, you know? And, you know, you are you, you know? How could you fake this
2: five days a week, you up on stage? There's no way. You can fake a talk show, though. I guess because you're an hour. Because <laughs> you have an hour, right? <laughs> well, not only that, you don't know the people. You're not having these uncensored conversations for hours. Yeah, it's very edited, and it's also, like, there's an audience there, so you're playing to the audience. Mm-hmm. You're well aware, and there's stuff that's filmed, stuff that's not filmed, yeah. and you know, it's Chris is the same thing, man. Chris is yeah. so, uh, you know, me and my wife were having a conversation about like actors, you know, and she she was talking about someone that was very annoying, that, and <laughs> and I said, yeah, I go, it's rare, but it makes you cherish the ones that are cool, mm. like Scott Eastwood, mm. Scott Eastwood. If you didn't know that he was Clint Eastwood's son, Uh if you didn't know he's a big movie star, he's like the fucking nicest, most normal, no-ego-having guy, just friendly and normal. You talk to him. He's... Not needy. He's just like yeah. right there. He's a great guy. Ah, oh,
0: then, but unless you put two pictures of him and his dad, like from the seventies, right. now, then that's that's amazing resemblance. Crazy but resemblance. Yeah, he seems that's like an some awesome guy. Strong
2: jeans. That is.
0: That's yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, those are good ones right there. Those
2: outlaw Josie Wales <laughs> uh, jeans. They exactly. went right that's in the there. That's the
0: picture. That's the picture. Great but, fucking yeah.
2: jeans though. Not bad. I mean,
0: you know, if you had to choose. Good looking guy. Not bad. But, but, but yeah, Chris him and Chris. Yeah, they're, so nice.
2: They're the nicest. Guy. I ran into Chris once, uh accidental, just randomly in Hawaii. With my family, he was on, I believe he was on his honeymoon. Yeah, at... at that uh, yes, four seasons out yes, there yes, yeah yes, and Lanai. <laughs> yeah we were setting
0: that uh, setting some stuff up for him we were yeah. going to get him a hot little house there they decided to go with the uh, and the actual hotel but um and we'd spent some time together in Utah you and Chris yes. out there yeah yeah and yeah. that was the first time that I got to sit in so we'd optioned it in before the book came out so January of 2018 and we all met up in Utah and what was it August of 2018 was maybe September was the book September. out
2: when i met you
0: a book was out for a few months yep mm. a book was out for a few months but uh but yeah Chris saw it early cuz Jared Shaw my buddy gave him up mm-hmm. gave him a copy because of a favor I did for Jared and the SEAL teams, uh, which I just did because once again you want to help good guys, and he was yeah. getting out of the SEAL team, so I introduced him to some people in the private sector and followed up, and I forgot all about it, and he never did. So he called me when the book was when he heard that I had a book coming out, so a few months before it came out in November of 2017, mm. he called me and said, "Hey man, I always wanted to thank you for what you did for me." and I couldn't remember what it was, and uh, and he, he told me what it was, and I said, oh, man, great, how's it going? And he said, uh, it's going great, but I heard you have a book coming out. And I said, yeah, I can send you an early copy if you'd like. And he said, well, I'd, I'd like to give it to a friend of mine if that's okay. And I said, yeah, no problem. Who's that? And Chris Pratt. So, And that's who I thought about playing the role when wow. I was writing it before he'd been in Guardians, before he'd been in Jurassic really? World. Really? So he'd been in the uh, uh, Dwyer, and Parks and Recreation. You, you
2: thought about him in... Chubby Chris Chubby Pratt? Chubby Chris Pratt
0: in really? Parks and Rec. And then, but I saw him make the transformation to SEAL Operator in Zero Dark Thirty, where he had a very small role. So I thought, yeah. okay, I see this guy right here. Look at that transformation. And he seems like an inherently likable person on and off screen. So, And then I thought back then, I'm going to give Chris a chance here. I'm going to I'm going to help his career along because it uh, looks like he needs... This is me uh, uh. writing my first sentence of the book in Coronado, <laughs> California, still in the SEAL teams uh, in a little office off our bedroom. Um, but I thought of Chris Pratt. And that's because back in the day, everybody loved Magnum P.I. in the 80s. Because mm-hmm. he was he was funny, but he could flip that switch, yeah. and he could get it done. In, in one episode, we talked about this once before. Uh, there's an episode where it's the first time on network television where a protagonist kills a bad guy who's unarmed and it's yeah. an amazing episode they had to fight for it and they got it and now it's a classic episode of, of 80s television and so I thought about that flipping that switch I thought about my background in the SEAL teams and coming home to wife and kids and all that stuff and having to flip that switch and uh, I thought Chris is the guy who can pull this off he hasn't done something like this hasn't been in action films yet mm-hmm. and uh, so I thought of Chris and then I thought of Antoine uh, being the director and because I love what he's did with Training Day and Tears of the Sun and, uh, and uh, a movie called Shooter based on Point of Impact by Stephen Hunter and I just loved Antoine's work so I thought this is this is the guy and now we're all three executive producers on it and that's and doing it. So uh, do you ever
2: wonder if you made that happen with your brain? Like how much how much do you think you manifest things with your mind? Well, it certainly didn't take up any of that bandwidth worried about it not happening.
0: Uh, and I think a lot of that comes from just knowing what I wanted to do from a very early age, serve my country specifically as a SEAL, and then write thrillers back from my, my earliest days. So I set this, I started building this foundation at age 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, reading all these guys like Tom Clancy and Nelson DeMille and A.J. Quinnell and J.C. Pollock and Mark Olden and Louis L'Amour and Stephen Hunter, all these guys back in the 80s who had protagonists with backgrounds I wanted in real life one day. So I read all those, and I just loved the magic in those pages and knew that one day I'd write those. But that wasn't like Machiavellian. I wasn't like, I'm going to read these today at age. 12 so that one day I can write them at age 45 Um, no I wanted to I just loved those books and then I was studying warfare and insurgencies and counterinsurgencies and terrorism and special operations so I had this academic study of warfare that's never stopped and then I had the practical application on the field of battle in Iraq and Afghanistan it all came together at the right time and place so I never worried about not making it I only saw a number one New York Times bestseller on all those books I read growing wow. up I only saw those books like first blood made into a film and so that was what was always in my mind so if I write this book it's going to be a number one New York Times bestseller and it's going to be optioned by whoever I want uh, to make it a number one film and that stuff happened um, but I didn't worry about it not happening if that makes sense maybe it's a little naivete which is uh, which seems to sometimes have been helps. Fun. yeah so, yeah exactly I didn't worry about the odds I didn't think like, people love to tell you the odds they're going to tell you how hard it is what's your backup plan you want to be an author what oh, what are you really going to do when that fails Mm. or you want to be a seal what are you going to do when you don't make it through buds
2: anybody says that to you stop talking to exactly Just, exactly there's there's no benefit in thinking that way negative yeah, yeah you gotta and get if, rid of those people and if you do have a safety net you might fall yeah you yeah. know you might you might make it but you might yeah. fall and so, there's there's something to that and i don't know why yeah i don't understand it i don't understand the way reality works yeah, it's that bandwidth because you're worried.
0: You're you're thinking about those other things. Mm-hmm. Um, where for me, all my heart and soul went into the book. Continue to go into the books, every single sentence. Uh, and and for me, writing these kind of books, I don't have to go out there and find a sniper from Ramadi in 2006. I don't have to go find somebody who was in an ambush. I can remember what it was like to be a sniper in Ramadi or what it was like to be ambushed in Baghdad in 2006. And then my protagonist gets in an ambush in Los Angeles, California. So I go back and think of the feelings and emotions associated with that event that I was in, and then I apply those completely to a fictional narrative without any filters so I don't have to interview somebody and then have those answers get filtered right, through other interviews that right, I've done right. or other movies I've seen or research that I've done and then go into the page of the book it goes right from my heart and soul right into that page so that's pretty amazing so I think that helped as well and made it stand out to Simon and Schuster and makes it resonate with readers and resonate to Chris and Antoine because uh, they both loved it and wanted to be wanted to be a part of it and now they're leading the charge on it and, and they wanted want to be involved from the get-go all the way through from from writing it to the the being a part of the writer's room and as an advisor and then learning that, how that went down, doing the casting, seeing everybody that, that, that came through wanting to be in it, and then through production and post-production and then marketing and advertising and then the premiere and then negotiations for a second season and a spinoff and being a part of all that from the inside was, I learned so much over the last couple of years. It was really cool.
2: Have you thought about writing new characters? Have you thought about making a new James Reese or some something similar or some complete different ecosystem, some complete different universe?
0: Yes, yes. So I love doing this. I absolutely love every part of the process, writing this. So I'm going to write James Reese for as long as I possibly can uh, do that, and have the nonfiction that I'm so passionate about with history, so that'll be coming out here in a year and a half. And then uh, there's another thing in the works that got put on a little bit of hold because of the writer's strike, but um, I'll, I'll text you about it when it, uh, when it comes through, but there's some other things in the works um, that uh, that I thought would be done by now, but yeah, writer strike, everything goes on hold for that. But there's some other things that uh, will allow me to, where some other characters and work on some other productions I guess is the best way to put it so would it be uh,
2: productions cool. or would it be novels or yeah both? Some, other, some other exactly both both yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so, so we'll see there is like there's a thing about getting trapped in the success mm-hmm like you have the, and also you have to have Chris Pratt on board. You can't, you can't recast.
0: No, I don't think so. I don't think so. He's the guy. He's the yeah, guy. I, I mean, mean, they, they
2: do, I mean, how many uh,
0: Jack Ryans have we had? We've had uh, one, two, three, four, like five um, Jack Ryans up to this point. So that one's, that one survived and people accepted that. Um, yeah, I So guess. close, you know, so close to the time that a book came out, maybe not. But uh, the, yeah, uh, Alec Baldwin and Harrison Ford were pretty close to those movies in the '80s. When, yeah. Uh, yeah, really in the early '90s. Um, so there's so there is that, but you never yeah you never know how things are going to go. It's like Chris how many trusted. James Bonds have there been? Yep, exactly. Yeah. That continues, and uh, so so there is so, so so there is that. There is precedent there, but uh, but the casting was was really interesting because you see these people who you who have you've grown up watching who during the time it's, it's kind of COVID well it is COVID time so they're doing screen tests and you're seeing these people that everyone knows the name of like doing a screen test wanting to be in the show and I'm I'm like part of that is crazy
2: that's it was crazy
0: and then taylor of course just knocked it out of the park when we saw the, the screen test with him and chris like there was no question like taylor is ben edwards and taylor is just an awesome dude and he's so fired up to get to where we're just texting on the way over here and he was uh he's so excited to get to work on this next one and i'm he, yeah he just elevated that character to a new level and he's such a good suck
2: playing a bad guy though yeah but now
0: he gets to go back and kind of like <laughs> play around with it a little bit <laughs> yeah and we have to get great action sequences oh, that sure. are just next level and and taylor's just such a good he's one of those guys also Totally normal, totally cool. You want to sit down, and have a beer with them, have they a whiskey exist. with them, have a coffee with them. Yeah, they exist. Uh, just an awesome dude. So. It's just
2: in that world, it it almost celebrates people that aren't aren't genuine. It's strange. Yeah, it's well, strange. It's, it's a pretend business it's yeah. a b- business of pretending yeah well
0: everybody in that everybody in the show that i can think of gene Triplehorn, amazing um she played the secretary of defense uh, lorraine hartley and she's has so been around
2: cool. that lady's she, done some great movies amazing
0: movie and so nice and so kind and That's so cool. normal um but everybody uh la monica garrett amazing who's in 1883 uh mm. right after our show he left and went to do 1883 and uh huh, such a good dude just a normal dude. That you just want to hang out with. we went to UFC. Exist. We went to UFC together. Oh, we, all, yeah? we saw you at UFC in uh, in January, well, July second, when we went up there for the the Terminalist thing. And Chris now has the blood splattered Terminalist thing from the octagon. Oh wow! Framed. Yeah, oh, that's it's cool. awesome. I got a piece of it. I got a piece of the blood from that night. But he has oh, that's them. right. The Terminalist yeah.
2: sponsored the uh, the actual event. Yeah, and it was on the canvas. Yep, yep. That's... He's got the whole thing, and it's all covered in
0: blood. And I have a square from it that's covered in blood. But yeah, he's got the whole banner, the whole middle part of the cage, which is pretty
2: cool. Yeah, we shared elk camp together and hung out he's a fucking as normal as can be if you didn't know that that guy was a movie star you would never guess it
0: yep yep he's a big dude too so he's you know it's hard for him to blend in i think yes he's a big dude yeah he's tall he's a wrestler uh, yeah. Good, solid guy. But yeah, everybody on that set was so cool. But you know It comes down to Chris and Antoine, to the leadership. And it comes down to them setting the tone at that, like Antoine at that strategic level. So up there as the, uh, as the director, executive producer right there at the top, setting that tone strategically. And then Chris right there also as the tactical level inspiration for everybody on set. So everybody wanted to be there and they're at the top of their games. And so many people came up to me on set and they didn't have to. And they said they'd been on hundreds of sets in Hollywood and they've never felt like this on a set before. And it was. Just there's something about it. It was inspiring. They wanted to be there, do their best work, and crush it um, because it was fun.
2: It was fun to go to work. Well, there's also there's not a lot of guys like you that wind up being successful authors. It's a very small, tiny group of people that have had the kind of real-world experience that you've had and then conveyed that into yeah. fiction. yeah.
0: Yeah, for me it's just a, it's very very natural and very therapeutic. But uh, but also I knew what I wanted to. I didn't wake up at age forty five and say, "Hey, can you make money at writing?" What right. should I have been ri- reading for the last thirty
2: years in preparation for this? Uh, no, That's up... what's crazy. It's like your life was like sort of ordained. Like it's almost like this destiny.
0: Well, I think it's my my parents made uh, made reading a natural part of my life. It wasn't something that was forced upon me. It was just as natural as anything else. And just reading mm. is what we did. My mom's a librarian, so grew up with the love of books and reading. So it's been as normal Normal is having a phone, I guess, for a lot of kids today. It was normal for me to have books. I've never been without a book. Uh, I've never been not in the middle of a book. And when I finished one, I'd start the next one. I've never had, like, a week wondering what I should read next. I've never had that my entire life. Do you read, uh, do you listen, rather,
2: to audiobooks?
0: Nope. Always nope. read? Yeah, always read, Since that's how I, how I grew up. That uh, I mm-hmm. love turning the pages. Um, uh, but audiobooks are the fastest-growing segment of publishing, and I'm so fortunate to have Ray Porter, who's also an awesome guy, by the Shakespearean-trained actor. Mm. Uh, he's been in tons of shows. If you look up Ray Porter, you can see just a list of shows that he's been in. He's great. He's great awesome as a voiceover guy, too. Yeah. He's like,
2: he does so many different accents. That's like, tough.
0: I think about tough. it now as I'm writing. I think about, well, maybe I should say that this person has some crazy accent in the first sentence so that Ray doesn't read and get halfway down the page and have to go back and then start with it again. So I do think about Ray as I'm writing and trying mm. to make it to write things that make, uh, make sense for him. So just to, just oh, that's to, to, be, to be kind so I don't get to the end and,
2: uh, and all of a sudden say this person had some, you know, Rhodesian accent. So. <laughs> has anybody ever come up to you and said, uh, hey, uh, are you writing about me? <laughs>
0: nope nope not yet <laughs> not yet but for the people that i write about that could be bad guys uh i don't have contact with
2: any of them oh well, so, that's good yeah yeah so let, not let them hear about it <laughs> not yet there's some
0: you know, and it's uh you know we're all products of our experience and uh you know what we what we decide to study and so there are maybe some characters in these books that uh, might seem similar to some people at uh higher levels of government or uh, or military and i kind of morph some things together and maybe make them Worse, or sometimes better than they actually are. Mm. Um, so yeah, we're a, a product of our of our environments and uh, and the, and the education we choose to give ourselves these days, and what we pay attention to in our life experience. So all that ends up in these pages. So, yeah. No what, one's come up yet, though, and been upset about it.
2: What about, you know, one of the things that you you deal with is, like, some very, very corrupt and evil people that yeah. are involved in military. Yeah. That are in uh, management positions and executive positions that uh, mm-hmm. fuck over soldiers. Yeah. Like, that's... Have you encountered that in real life, or is that just your knowledge of that? Well, we all saw it with Afghanistan, so we, we so there
0: is that. Um, you see the process of people sitting on these boards after their time in uniform and then approving gigantic contracts for these companies uh, yeah. that, uh, in positions that they were just in prior where they had that chance to approve, and now they're on this board. So that's just a part of it. Um, and then I saw people get... Uh, get scapegoated for certain things in the military to protect others higher up the chain. And, you know, that's just kind of how it goes I it's any big bureaucracy, really. But um, I think it's been a part of just the human experience from the beginning of time, just like violence. What I do hear from people is uh, is the violence part. Some people... Like that, and uh, like is probably the wrong word, but um, they uh, they recognize that violence has been a part of the human condition from the beginning of time, and they like that I don't pull any punches in the pages of these things. Some people hate it; they like a sanitized version of violence, and Mm. there's plenty of that out there, and that's not me. So uh, for me, it's all about the story, and I never look at. Uh, let's say reviews. Talking about negative comments before, I never think about oh, what's what's selling right now, or I've never had even my publisher, and I didn't know going in like you know, what was going to happen with agents and publishers, and if they were going to say, okay, we have this. Next time, can you lay off on this, or can you
2: can mm. you do this a little
0: more because this is selling right now, yeah. or the, never, never even a hint. They have had complete creative control on oh. that side, which is different than screenwriting. Because in screenwriting, you have a team. And and, then all those scripts and outlines, they go all the way up to the top of Amazon and back down with notes, and then you incorporate those, or you argue and uh, and come to some sort of an agreement or whatever it might be. But team-oriented on this side, only me on this side, and I love that my publisher and agent have never hinted at doing anything differently. Because if it fails, it's all on me. I can't say, man, I knew I shouldn't have listened to my agent, or I shouldn't. Mm. And my only vision of agents is uh, it was Californication and Entourage. Like I had no idea, I didn't know any agents, <laughs> so that's what I thought agents for. And that's not my that's not my agent, and she doesn't give any input into uh, into what I do. That's and very that like. fortunate. Is it is it different than that from in most people's experience? Like, how many agents have you had over the years?
2: Uh, I've had a few agents, but I've had the same manager since I was okay. an open micer. Do you have to have an agent now or is it just a manager? Yeah, I mean, I don't have to, I guess. I probably could do everything with a manager, but okay. I've, I've had the same agent since 2007 and I've, okay. had, I've had the same manager since 1991. Oh, wow. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, my manager found me when I was a beginner. No. When did yeah. you get to LA? 94. 94. Oh, yeah. geez. Before.
0: Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. No are they an l a based person or they new York based okay yeah. and still with well
2: wow. one of them's l a based one of them's new york based um but wow. yeah, I've had the same people forever, and fortunately they get me, but that's the that's thing awesome. that you know you can run into the wrong like in Hollywood they're notorious for taking things that are very successful and mm-hmm. fucking them up because they have their input on it I mean that's yeah. what they did with the Chappelle show when Dave uh, Chappelle was on top of the world, yeah. The executives at Comedy Central fucked that whole thing up. Really? Yeah. They were telling him, do this and do that, and you can do this, and stop saying this, and stop doing that. And he was like, fuck this. And he went to Africa and Mm -hmm. quit the show. I remember. He was famous and didn't do stand-up for years for money. Like, literally would show up in Seattle. He would bring a microphone and, like, a little portable speaker and just do stand-up in the park.
0: No way. I didn't know that part. I remember when he quit the show and went to Africa and, yeah, and came man. back. And
2: it seemed like he was gone for a decade almost. He was gone for a long time. And, yeah. and he just was thinking about things. And, you yeah. Know, trying to figure out what he was doing. And just didn't... I mean, the 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 kind of integrity that he had to walk away from, yeah. I think it was like $50 million. Crazy. Yeah. The time Was it was like a record-setting type of a deal? Record-setting. Giant. It was the biggest show on cable. It was mm-hmm. huge. And it only did two seasons. It's to this day, I think the best sketch comedy show that's ever been made. Yeah. And he walked away from it because they fucked it up. Man. If they just left him alone, if they were smart, they're like, have fun! Right? Like what they do at <sighs> South Park. Just, we'll mm, leave you alone. Go. Yeah. Go have a good time. You That'll know be, what you're doing. There'll be some
0: controversy every now and again, but it, of course. You know, that's just how, it, how that's, it goes.
2: But controversy with who? People that weren't fans anyway? Right. I mean, it was right. so funny. The, the bottom line was it was really, really, really funny, and they came in and they made it no fun. Yeah. They Our made, little guy
0: just got into it. He's watching them all right now. <laughs> so
2: good. Clayton Bigsby? The, the blind white supremacist that doesn't it's, know he's black. <laughs> the
0: whole thing is genius. I mean, the whole thing. Yeah. And it's oh, so yeah. different
2: also. It's also so different. It's not oh, safe. So good. You know? No, 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 no. It's so good. Which is fantastic. But they wanted to safen it up a little bit. Ah. And they they started oh. fucking with him and talking to him about it. And it just felt awful. Uh-huh. And, you know, he's a, a man of integrity and he just said, fuck this. Man. But they ruined it. The executives ruined the greatest sketch comedy show of all time. And they got... One of the greatest comedians that's ever walked the face of the earth to walk away from his own show. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. They can fuck it up. Yeah. They can get in there, you know. And, and what a genius. I mean, his stuff. Oh, my gosh. It's yeah. just so great. It's so No, like he's that. he's awesome. He was out here week one, the the second week that we were open at the mothership. Oh, came Oh, awesome. And, and he christened the little room. Oh, it's so yeah. awesome. That mothership, oh,
0: it looks so amazing. I mean, everybody, everybody listening to this has obviously watched the video and seen that drone go in those doors and take the tour of that whole place. Right? Yeah. before the day you opened, I think it was. With that and...
2: rant, the Bill Burr rant, oh, which is like the perfect rant to have over it. so great. Perfect, yeah. that guy, I love listening to that guy. It's so funny. Yeah, oh. and that rant was just so perfect for that video and what, what we're trying to do. Yeah, you guys and are crushing. It's oh. turned Austin into like the comedy capital of the country, it's it's amazing. It's I like... remember
0: you telling me about it beforehand, you know, and I was like, oh yeah, you came to the right place when you left yeah. LA. I remember you are looking at a couple of different places and I think you chose, well I know, you chose the right spot to come and then to build this, what you built here is so inspiring and so cool. Um, but that one, when I saw that video, I was like, oh. because about like a year in advance a year and a half whatever it was and I was so excited when I saw that video and I texted you about it and that was just awesome I'm just so fired up that that is here I mean it's a destination you made this a destination for comedy
2: yeah it's pretty cool it's pretty cool it's almost surreal yeah when we're there Tony and I Tony Inchcliffe and I were there sometimes we just go how the fuck did we do this seriously I can't believe we did this Like it, it really worked and it were and it was such a weird gamble because you had a. I le- I left LA in the middle of this Spotify deal, this enormous deal, mm. and they were like, "What the fuck are you doing? You're gonna go to Texas? How are you gonna get guests? How are you gonna do that? <laughs> you know it was like there's so much to it. like okay. how do you do this? But I was like, I just like I, I have a compass. like mm. it's like that way. Go that way. And have you it, always had that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah,'m I'm a, I'm a risk taker. Like, when I feel like something is the thing to do, you should take a risk. Yeah, you have to. Uh, yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's a giant component for success. You cannot play safe. No. And there's sometimes where it seems counterintuitive, and other people are going to think it's a terrible idea, and you got to not listen to them. Yeah. You got to be able to man. just jump on it.
0: Yeah, we call it in sniper school a bold adjustment. So Mm. you have a certain amount of time on that line, and you have, especially if you're doing something with like a uh, an old M14 type of a thing, where you're starting out and you're doing these clicks on your your, on your scope and on your uh, on your elevation and like bold adjustments, gentlemen. I remember them walking down the Mm. line saying that. So you're not like taking a tiny click because they've got to get people through this course or get them out of the course or whatever it is. So bold adjustment, okay, went there, boom, halfway back, bang, you're on. Instead Mm. of these little tiny, very safe, tiny little adjustments. That keep you on that line for another hour. Yeah, you know, bold adjustments is what they told us. So that's what uh, that's what it sounds like here. And uh, yeah, I man, it's awesome. I can't wait to go and check it out. It's. Uh,
2: it, I think the, oh, it man. sounds crazy, but I think the universe rewards that. Yeah, I mean, you have to.
0: Otherwise, you just have a safe. I mean, you get one shot. Yeah. One shot at life, yeah, and uh, and one shot to well, you can learn from successes and failures. So why not learn from them and take some risks and, mm-hmm. and do it? Because you're not coming back.
2: Well, maybe oh. we don't know. Maybe, yeah, who or, knows? Yeah, who knows? Maybe you're just doing it over and over <laughs> and over and over and over again, and that's one of the reasons maybe. why I'm willing to take some, these chances. <laughs> maybe it's because I fucked it up before, <laughs> and I know. Nope, it's now's the time to yeah. get moving. This is your 500th time, yeah, uh, like, going through this. Remember when you stayed in L. A. last date. life? <laughs> Let's get the exactly. fuck out of there. Time to go.
0: Time to <laughs> Let's go. Let's not be depressed. Yeah, because the first time I came out was L.A., and that was a crazy time to come out because that was COVID. So the book Mm -hmm. hit the New York Times list, and uh, then you texted, and I jumped in the car and drove on out, and there was nobody on the roads. That was crazy. That was was April of... uh... Early, late April, early May of 2020. Oh, 2020. Yeah. yeah, Nobody on the roads, nobody on the 405. Like that weird. was weird, super weird. weird. Yeah, and then we got to talk about COVID on the on the uh, the thing. And I remember it was still a time when, when uh, the Wuhan lab was conspiracy theory stuff. Oh, yeah. And I remember just that we talked about it. I didn't put it as eloquently as uh, as John Stewart did when he talked about the Wuhan lab coronavirus thing mm-hmm. and, and the Hershey, the bit where he does on, uh, hey, if there's an outbreak of chocolatey goodness in Hershey, Pennsylvania, yeah. you might want to look at the chocolate factory. Like, yeah. That was genius, but we did talk about it at the time, you know, that was conspiracy theory craziness. And I was like, well, there is a lab there. So if I was a detective in any big city in the United States, uh, I'd probably call that a clue. Well, and the, you'd want to look into it.
2: You should look into it. And also, how did that become a conspiracy theory? I mean, how what what fantastic level of manipulation and propaganda mm-hmm. did they impart on the United States that that was a conspiracy theory mm-hmm. that a respiratory coronavirus lab in Wuhan, China, definitely couldn't be the the place. It's like a block when, away.
0: Yeah. It's certainly not yeah. that place. It could be anything else. We're not sure. But it's certainly not the
2: coronavirus lab a block away from the outbreak. Like, well, looking also, back on it, what? Wait, really? At the time, I had been very fortunate to be friends with people that uh, actually understood viruses mm. and actually understood, you know, the fear and cleavage sites and the, the way that viruses normally jump from uh, an animal host to a human, the natural spillover. Yeah. There's so many different factors that pointed to the. Uh, the idea that this is a, a gain-of-function research project that went wrong. And that's what it was. And there's still people out there that deny that. Mm-hmm. That one little guy, that little fellow, that little, <laughs> <Anthony> <laughs> little guy? Fella. Yeah, you see. There is guy. no evidence.
0: <sighs> that little fucker. But that's the, that's the manipulation part where, mm-hmm. as a populace, we have to realize that we are being manipulated by, in many instances. Well, and not only that, but that, that one
2: guy has been manipulating people that way. His entire career. Did you ever read the Robert Kennedy book? The no, Real it's on my Fauci? list, but
0: I have not. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Pretty good. I need to read that. So these days, I, I read... Uh, for people coming on the podcast. I've read every book for people that have come on thus far. I don't know if I'll always be able to. Um, but uh, I think some of those books would have fallen to lower on the priority list if they weren't coming on the podcast. But right. some of those conversations that I've had in the books I've read have made it into the pages of the novel. So there's all uh. this this overlap to include this one. Uh, Brian Mora has a book called The Able Archers and it talks about a nuclear exchange that almost happened between the United States and the Soviet Union in 1983. And there was one guy in the Soviet Union, an officer on watch that night, who was not supposed to be there the guy who was supposed to be there got sick. So this one guy steps up, goes in for the person who's sick, and he's the one guy who studied the United States, and he's, he's uh, I'm an intellectual, and he's put in this time and effort into understanding the strategic uh, kind of aspects of this conflict in the Cold War. And there's a launch from the United States, ICBMs, heading towards the Soviet Union. That's what shows up on their screen. And what he's supposed to do is launch back. And he has pressure from above to launch. Uh, it's the protocol, and he doesn't. Because he's like, this isn't right. And it was a glitch in their system Jesus that showed. Christ. Yeah. And there's all these other things at play to um, Korean Airlines flight 007 that was shot down early. There's all these things happening that uh, would lend themselves Hight to. Intentions. Exactly. Exactly. So we, and those, those documents were just, I think it was, it might be, I might be off by a, a year or two, but I think it was 1999 when these documents were finally uh, declassified. Um, so well after the end of the Cold War. And, uh, but Stuff, things like that so I read that book and had that conversation with this guy and he's a really nice guy great guy been in the intelligence world uh, his whole career and that made it into the pages of this novel So there's overlap, but uh, but Robert Kennedy has not been on the podcast yet So I have not read that book, but I've been meaning to read it. It sounds fascinating He
2: was just on Russell Brand's podcast uh, and he talked about um, his uh, uncle and his father's assassination Holy shit. He, his recall is amazing his ability to just yeah. rem- remember all these different pieces that were in play, mm-hmm. uh, particularly with uh, the JFK assassination and, and Lee Harvey Oswald, and the fact that Lee Harvey Oswald was a CIA asset and that he had defected to Russia, but it was a fake defection, and that all the the different pieces that were in place that yeah. you could point to there's there's so much evidence. Yeah. He's like, if we went into this, he said to um, to Russell that if we just wanted to cover the evidence that the CIA killed JFK, he goes, this would be a 10-hour podcast.
0: Yeah. No, it's uh, it's fascinating, and it makes it... You haven't gotten to the stage in the book yet, but I don't want to give too much away Don't here. give it away. Yeah, no, no. But uh, you'll like... When you get to the certain part, you'll be like, no way, because I think nobody is going to expect this part of the book to, uh, to go the way it does. But... Uh, point being, it takes us back to that assassination, and so crazy early '90s. Remember, I mean, you had Oliver North on on mm-hmm. here, which is his, Oliver North books fascinating. Um, but uh, you you have Congress mandating mandate law that the United States has to declassify these documents by a certain date. Yep. And two administrations, after a visit from the CIA, neglect to do that, or they let some things out, but not everything like is mandated by law. Right. All these years after, so if if they're not involved, then they might not be. But they're certainly going well out of their way to make it themselves look guilty. Yeah. Like, really trying hard to make themselves look guilty. But
2: I feel like them making themselves look guilty is safer than removing all doubt. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, because it is. Because we're not talking about I mean, Tucker talked about it on his television show, yeah. and he boldly claimed that the CIA, yeah. you know, killed him. But it was a weird way that he did it. Like, he said, someone told me, and he doesn't release that person's name. It's like the way uh robert kennedy junior talks about it on russell brand's podcast it's like in I'm listen to depth that. yeah But it's just this holy shit. Yeah,
0: it's incredible. I mean, mean, in most of my books, I make mention and this one in particular, go back to the church hearings and the Pike hearings of Mm the 70s that uh, uh, exposed some overreach by agencies in the federal government, particularly the CIA. But uh, as it pertains to the Kennedy assassination, it is so strange. All these years later, they still walk into the Oval Office and have a private conversation and walk out. And all of a sudden, these, these documents that are mandated be released by law or not yeah like so odd but in this one also so I, a friend of mine married into the kennedy family so i went back to hannesport got to meet robert kennedy and i spent some time with ethel kennedy and it was it was amazing and that experience also informs uh if you've gotten to, i think you've gotten to that chapter already where he goes to meet the uh, the old woman and uh yeah. so that part inspired this book right here and that was really cool to be back there and see look at this chair. And in this chair, there's a little, little table next to it, and you see a picture of JFK watching the election results come in. And you look at the picture, and you look at the chair, and it's him in that chair right there. It's amazing. It's, it, was, it was really interesting to be in that, uh, that part of the world, uh, in that place, um, with that family. Um, but he yeah, had inspired old this. Old history. Yeah. Yeah, big old, time. Yeah. But he yeah, had inspired this. And I mean, who knows if we'll ever get to the, the bottom of that assassination. And it wasn't that long ago. Like, when we were born, no. we thought it was a long time ago. Like, let's say 1983 or something. 63 is a long time ago when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. But now looking back, it's everything's relative. It's that time-space continuum thing. Whatever that is, that's a real deal. Time's speeding up as you get older. And sure. It's, uh, I saw a meme the other day, and it said if Marty McFly went back in time today, he'd be going back to 1993. <laughs> or something like that. Jesus. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I well, know. how I about like, World it. War
2: One was 100 years ago?
0: Crazy. Well, yeah, a little over, but yeah. Yeah. yeah right? and I mean, that's, essentially that's years nothing.
2: Yeah. That's nothing. World War II, less. Yeah. Vietnam, much less. Yep. Korea, yep. less. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Korea, less. Yeah. And Donnie Edwards, who has the best defense foundation,
0: he, uh, he has a picture of himself with a World War One veteran. Um, Which is pretty cool. And so my daughter who's 17 we've been we went to Pearl Harbor and took 62 veterans back to Pearl Harbor for the 80th anniversary Commemoration event about a year and a half ago Uh, last June we went to to Normandy So she's on Normandy with somebody who is the first out of his landing craft storming the beach And she's there on this beach with him and he's a hundred years old right now hearing that story from him And I'm getting pictures of them talking together and so one day she'll say I have a picture with a World War two veteran How many, what percentage of guys died on that beach? I don't know exactly, I don't know the exact numbers, but it was uh, a lot and then a lot when you, I mean, you think about the Pacific campaign and they did that over and over again, island after island after island. And, uh, And then those guys came home and what did they do? They got back to work. They didn't complain, they built the country into what it is today. And that's a little different. It was a different time, different
2: kind of human being. Yeah, and
0: a lot of those guys didn't even talk about it till just a little while ago.
2: It's just fascinating the the different kinds of human beings that exist depend upon the amount of adversity they've overcome. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think that's why they started Outward Bound. They did this this uh, this study,
0: and they found I think it was World War One. I, uh, I might get this a little off, but the the general gist is is on track. Um, and they found that people dying in the North Atlantic that were there like treading water, trying to survive, trying to signal another boat were the older guys were surviving and the younger guys that should be in better shape their whole life ahead of them were the ones that weren't. And they thought, well, this is because those people haven't faced as much adversity as the older people. So they started this Outward Bound thing, get kids in the outdoors, have them do a, a solo out there by themselves for a couple nights and mm. put them in these positions that are uncomfortable. And um, so I think that's why that started. But there's something to that. There's Isn't something that to... the
2: case with like ultra marathon runners? Aren't a lot of those like Cam Haynes age, like 55 years old Maybe, yeah. probably. Yeah.
0: Probably. But yeah, the younger generation do they think we're on an ultra marathon or wanna make another TikTok video. I mean, yeah. that's a, it's a hard sell. That's a hard sell. I don't know.
2: It's a that's an interesting thing in the world of fighting because as yeah. the as fighters get older, they they have more experience, more understanding, more toughness, but the mm-hmm. body doesn't work right anymore. That's tough. And yeah. that's it right
0: there. So it's a, it's a privilege to be getting old, that's for sure, especially if you spend some time in a But it's funny like occupation nature, where nature balances where it indirectly. out. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we had we had Cowboy come in the show. He did the, oh, he yeah. had a cameo. He had a oh, cameo. Nice. Chris Pratt got to put a tomahawk in his head, and uh, oh, that was right. awesome. That's yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> he flew in for the day, did that. It was awesome. Uh, we had a great time doing that. We got to go out. To, I spent some time with him also on the range out at Sig Free, uh, not Sig Freedom Days, but they have this uh, sniper course they do in Utah the uh, last couple of years, and we got to spend some time together
2: out there. And uh, man, what a good dude. He was he was awesome. He's too. the best. We and had a great he time. and Cowboy insisted on falling a very yeah. specific way, right? Yeah,
0: he would. He no stuntman, no makeup either cowboy didn't put on makeup good for you. yeah
2: exactly none of this you know going in and putting
0: the stuff <laughs> no uh-uh. and they're like well we have to have a double fall for you nope nope he's doing it all and you're like who going can argue with him no nope. yeah. are you gonna put the, make- the makeup person gonna like no i have to do this nope they just back right
2: off wow. so
0: he was fun to spend some time with uh both in in utah with sig and then at the on the set so that was really cool to have a couple of touch points with with him over the last year
2: again that's a guy who's overcome a lot of fucking adversity yeah. You know, and that's why he's got that character. There it is. There it is. Donk.
0: <laughs> there it is. Bam. Yeah. See, there's no. That floor <sighs> isn't padded. That floor's not padded right there. At least did just didn't bang floor. his head. Yeah. <laughs> <I> was <worried.
2: laughs> he was not concerned. No. He zero
0: concerns about no, banging no, his head. No,
2: no, no. <laughs> that, <laughs> that dude, he's one of the wildest guys I've ever met because the shit that he does outside of fighting, which yeah. is wild, like they're always trying to get him to calm down because he's yeah. always doing things like. Jumping jet skis and Mm -hmm. snowmobiles and just just doing so much wild shit outside of fighting, Mm -hmm. which is the wildest fucking thing you could do as a sport.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, remember back in the day when uh, Point Break came out and Patrick Swayze was jumping every weekend, like actually jumping out of planes, and they were trying to with insurance like trying to get him to not do that oh were they yeah so I remember that story from back back in the day and then mm. what did we just see Mission Impossible whatever number it's coming up oh, on now Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise doing that jump he broke his ankle um, oh did he yeah well he jumped off that on that bike off that cliff like mm-hmm. a number of times that was not yeah. one take that was those I mean, videos out there that show him training for it mm-hmm. and then
2: doing it and yeah. how old is he 60 crazy yeah, he jumped from one building to the next and sh- shattered his ankle yeah. when he made inca- impact. There's a video of his ankle crumbling wow. as it hits the wall.
0: Yeah. And then he's like, well, for the next one, we got to up it, and I'm going to take this motorcycle and jump off this cliff in, like, was it Norway or something like that? Yeah. But
2: insane.
0: I mean, amazing. He's out of his fucking mind. (laughs) Yeah. You're not jumping out of planes, right? No. Yeah, you don't do that. And no surfing.
2: No. Yeah. Fuck sharks. Yeah, exactly. I'm not interested in sharks. Yeah. I I was reading this story about that woman, uh, Bethany, I forget her last name. Hamilton? Yeah. She got Mm -hmm. her arm bitten off by a shark and then got right back in there. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So my my little guy,
0: uh, I sound call him a little guy, but uh, he's awesome. And he's 12 and he hadn't been to Pearl Harbor yet. My daughter has. So we took him for his spring break. We took him out to to Oahu and went to uh, Pearl Harbor. And so we got to go to the the Arizona Memorial and then USS Missouri and then up to Punchbowl National Cemetery up there. But uh, but we got there and he's surfing out there. We went with a family that really knows what they're doing surfing. And and, uh, so we did that. and And then we went on a shark dive. At age twelve, and, Whoa. Uh, so we're going out there with these three, and now that you know, I'm the age that I am, um, these people are very young that are taking us out there. That are shark experts, and we go out there and uh, and in a boat, and off you go. And they have a photographer there who's uh, studying sharks at the University of Hawaii, and then you get the shark expert also studying sharks at the University of Hawaii. But they're like twenty one, maybe, and. Uh, <laughs> And we zip down there and they're looking and making sure there's no tiger sharks. And uh, we go in and we do this dive and our little guys, it's just snorkeling, but you dive down and they get the picture and you're seeing these sharks and you learn a little bit about them. And then we get back and uh, the same day we find out that on Oahu, somebody got chomped. So it was just about a month and a half ago. And some girl diving somewhere, not in Hawaii, but like in the Maldives or somewhere like that, um, also got chomped doing the exact same kind of snorkeling thing that a little guy was doing, but I like how you say, you know, if you're not going into the water like that, then you're not going to get eaten by a shark. You know, it's right. like, it's just kind of like, if you don't jump out of the plane, like then you're not going to burn in. Type yeah. of thing. And I would like the jumping, like in the military, I liked jumping out, like flying. I shouldn't say I like jumping. I did not like going to the exit because that's when you're like, okay, here we go. You jump out, whether it's dark and you got all your stuff on or whatever it might be. But I like the flying around. So the flying around was very cool
2: in free fall. I saw a video and recently of a guy who jumped out of a plane and forgot his his, his parachute. Ooh, that's experienced seems... jumper too. Oh. You see that? He was
1: filming it. No? Yeah, he was, he was yeah, filming yeah, it. Yeah, filming people and forgot to put his chute on. No? Yeah. yeah, it was like in the 90s, I think. Way. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Wow. Well, we have a couple of things in place in the military that at least would, you know, prevent that, I think. So, you know, the jump masters, then they're checking all your stuff and making sure you're good. But the flying around is pretty cool. The pulling, not so much because then you come, for me anyway, the guys love it. But uh, for me, when it came time to pull, I was like, okay, here it is. This is either going to open or it's not. And if it doesn't, then I have procedures I need to go through. (sighs) I got to remember those and all that stuff. And in my free fall class, two people died. Really? Yeah. The student and instructor ran into each other like. Um, oh, boy. It, it, and had, they just... It just Yeah, just. we had one more jump to go, so we spent uh, hours combing the desert looking for the bodies, and uh, and we still had to get back and uh, and <sighs> jump again after that, so that was interesting. And then a buddy of mine burned in, amazing guy, such a great guy, Mike Bearden, just a, such a solid dude. Um, went through buds with him, and then he, he burned in right before they sent me to free fall, so... When did you say like, burned in? Uh, mouth, parachute, malfunction, and then died, yeah, hit the ground. <sighs> but uh, amazing guy, such... Uh, cool person just a solid human being and uh, then so like the next week they send me and like another guy who was best friends to to jump school so that was interesting but uh and then have two people die in your class have to do the investigation so then you're sitting there on base waiting for this investigation to be done for like a week week and a half and then you do your final
2: final jump so (sighs) Yeah, it's, it's not without its risks. It's that's for definitely. Sure. I think that's part of the excitement about it. Maybe that's why I ask Andy about it. You know, he's not doing.
0: I don't think he's doing it too much anymore. Andy Stomp.
2: Andy's out of his fucking
0: mind. Yeah, I. I, I don't think he's done in a while, though. I don't think it's been a little bit since I've seen him do a base jump. Well, he'll do it. He's just doing them. Was he doing base? Was he, he jumping out of planes? Jumping out of planes yeah. still. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not the Bless base you. jumping. Maybe it's been the base jumping that's been on pause for a little bit. Yeah, but, maybe. You know, I don't know. Probably. Maybe concentrate on the coffee shop and maybe he's not so much on the. Out of his mind. He's out of his fucking mind yeah he, but it's cool but it's man yeah damn.
1: i
2: mean like it's I don't a rough know. way to go that's tough I mean, well he's doing the flying squirrel suit shit too yeah
0: yeah it's like trevor thompson yeah. those guys who's been on here like is this what mm. is this one is this andy yeah look at him go yeah they just, just jumped away. over yeah look at that yeah, look at this pyramids, is amazing that is wild yeah look at it and the photo that's they got fucking from this crazy seven jumps seven days seven continents to raise money for folds of honor and uh these look at that that Look it how bizarre beautiful. the
2: pyramids look in beautiful. juxtaposition to, to Cairo. Yep. Yep. I was there years so ago, strange. and I see that one right there in
0: the right, far right? I climbed mm-hmm. to the top of that one. Wow. And a long, long time ago, when it was all dark outside, I bribed some guards. Uh, took got some horses and rode out to that thing in the middle of the night, climbed up to the top, and then watched the sun rise over Cairo. I got to get out cool. there. I still have
2: never been. I yeah, got to get a, out there. It's a really
0: cool place. And the same thing Taj Mahal also. I went to the Taj Mahal years ago, and you think it's kind of gaudy mm-hmm. and you get there, it is beautiful. It is just yeah, incredible to see some of these places.
2: I'm just so fascinated by the pyramids, though, yeah. the, the, how they made them. Yeah, and also this, just these insanely complex cultures that vanish. They yeah. just do. They go away. Yeah. Like what yeah. happened? Right. Like what is that? And then this is the thing that I think about when I think about America today, that. Every empire collapses. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Douglas Murray has talked about, it's really fascinating to me. Um, he said every society, when it's at the verge of collapse, becomes obsessed with gender. I've seen that. I've Which is that. real weird and not good for us because if there's any fucking society. It seems like we're overly
0: focused on some oh of these things right God. now. Oh, my Yeah. And uh, so if you're, it's, let's say you're Iran, you're Russia, you're China, you're North Korea. Yeah, look at these fuckers. They're yeah, going exactly, down. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're a super empowered individual. You're a terrorist organization. You might just want to lay back a little bit and watch because we're doing a pretty good job of destroying ourselves from the inside.
2: And I'm sure they're helping. I'm sure they're helping give it a nudge. with social media. I'm sure there's like, I mean, one of the things they found out on uh, Facebook was that 19 of the top Christian sites were run by Russian troll farms. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, 19 of the top 20. I shouldn't and they're be shocked. just saying wild shit and trying to start a holy war. She's trying to divide. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And then we get, like, okay, so we have aliens. We have some spaceships Mm -hmm. in here. Um, I mean, in the news. Mm -hmm.
0: Imagine that coming out in 1985. Yeah. I I
2: don't know know what to think about that. I go back and forth and back and forth. You know, part of me thinks some of it is real. And part of me thinks a good percentage of it is probably, like, some... um, Black project yeah. that they're not telling us about, that is right. some insanely complex drone, an unmanned drone that has right. capabilities beyond what we think of. Right. In terms of, uh, you know, conventional propulsion systems. Right. No, certainly a possibility. A lot of
0: those sightings were, in fact, the black helicopters. Mm-hmm. They're black helicopters, but they're yeah. training for overseas. And they just have to go to these cities every now and again. To or do some, stealth some, bombers. The stealth bombers. Back in the day. Yeah. yeah, back in the day. Remember, the 80, there was a model of it, I remember. A Mar- I forget the model. Anyway, I built some old World War II planes back in the day. And I always see this stealth bomber that was like an uh, interpretation from the toy company that mm-hmm. made these models of a stealth bomber. And it was pretty dang close when they actually revealed it years later. Mm. Um, So I I distinctly remember that. But uh, did you
2: have the guy that, that, is it a Navy pilot? Commander Fravor. Okay, Did you have him on? Yeah, but two guys, Ryan Graves and Commander Fravor. Both of them were fascinating. Um, Commander Fravor was the one that off uh, the coast of San Diego in 2004, he encountered that that object that went from more than 50,000 feet above sea level to 50 in less than a second. Yeah, they have no odd. idea what it did. They, 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 they it was b- blocking the tracking systems. They got visual, um, I they, they, they saw it visually. They have footage of it. They have video footage of it. Multiple jets encountered this thing, and when it zipped off at insane rates of speed, it returned to their cat point, so the place where they were supposed to go meet up later, it went there. Like That's I know where you're going, bitch. Wild. Yeah. They don't know what it is. They don't know where. They think there was something else that was under the water. That it was uh, interacting with something that was under the water because there was ripples, like there was like almost like a submarine. Jeez. So whatever that thing was that that they encountered, that sort of that man, uh, Commander Fravor, who mm-hmm. is so rock solid. Yeah. When you you talk okay. to him, he's not a loon in any okay. shape of the world. It was just a fucking dedicated lifelong. Pilot military man yeah. who's just—he's his credentials are impeccable. Wow! And when he talks about it, it's it's pretty stunning. And also the attitude that a lot of the higher ups had, like they were aware of it, and that they talked to people on the Nimitz, and they were saying, "Yeah, we we see these things every couple of weeks." That's and they class. All and, the those world. guys say they,
0: they that some of the things they saw were classified? They, mm-hmm. Really.
2: Yeah. And then That's there was wild. Ryan Graves who said that, I believe it was in 2014, they upgraded all of their equipment. And then they started seeing these things because the equipment have new capabilities. And they're seeing these things that are uh, 120 knot winds, completely motionless, just okay. staying and just totally still, which is like, how? no No heat signature, no visual means of propulsion. They don't know what the fuck these things were doing, moving at insane rates of speed occasionally, um, shadowing them. They try to find them. They try to catch up and they take off. They couldn't keep up with them. They don't know what they are. There was something that was uh, a cube inside a sphere. Did those guys write books, or did they, I forget, did did one of them write a book about it? Oh, no. I don't know if any of those guys have read a book. But Commander Fravor, I first saw him on Lex Friedman's podcast, and then I had him on mine to talk to him about it. But it is a fascinating encounter.
0: Where did you get uh, into to UFOs and all that sort of thing. Oh, I
2: don't know. I think since I was a kid. Yeah. It's just fun, you yeah. know, just cuz I think it's interesting. And yeah. then I got obsessed with the Roswell crash and then, you know, uh, reading all these different books about it and, and but mm. it wasn't until talking to people that have had experiences right. that it really burns in your head. Right. Cuz you're talking to these you can kind of get a sense of people are bullshit artists. You know, you kind of get a sense. The Bob Lazar one's the most bizarre. I don't know that Bob Lazar is the gentleman that worked on Area S4, uh, Site 4, Area 51. He worked back engineering this thing that they said that they had recovered. And they were trying to figure out how the propulsion system worked. And they brought him on. And they don't tell him what these things are. It's like, hey, tell us how this works. And he's in this thing that's designed for something that's three feet tall these these completely smooth surfaces this metal that they don't understand they, this visual oh really the metal yeah. the actual thing is yeah, not they don't just know. like in the movies we're like we yes. don't have any evidence of this ever don't existing don't know what element. the fuck it is they they there was different he said the problem with it is that these, science doesn't exist in a vacuum. You need a bunch of scientists comparing notes and trying to yeah. discuss it, but everything was top classified. secret and classified, so they couldn't do that. So they brought in people who, the metallurgy people, and they br- and they were not allowed to com- communicate with the people that were the propulsion's experts. Yeah. They were not allowed to, com- to communicate with people who supposedly had some sort of contact with the biological entities. Uh, and then there's this amazing documentary that uh, was just released recently called Moment of contact oh. about Virginia Brazil in 1996. There was a crash, and not only was a crash, but there's a crash and these bodies. Uh, what? W- yeah, one of them was alive and, and injured. This soldier picked this thing up. They carry this thing to multiple different hospitals. They did autopsies on this thing. What? And then the soldier who encountered it died of a horrific bacterial infection that they could not, describe, they didn't know what it was, they didn't know how he got it, and he got it from being in contact with this entity, supposedly. What? Oh, my God. The, What's it called? Moment of contact. Moment of contact. It's incredible. That's insane. What's incredible, too, is this one of these guys, uh, one of the soldiers that was in this documentary, they bring him to the crash site, and this guy starts weeping, and he's talking about it. I mean, unless this guy's, like, the greatest fucking actor the world's ever right? known, the way he reacts when he sees this site, when he describes his experience when they found this thing that it oh. crash-landed. And there's also documentation that the Air Force had flown a jet to Virginia and returned with whatever the fuck they caught, whatever they got there, and brought it back to the United States, that is wild. You know, Jackie Gleason supposedly had an encounter with Nixon. That Nixon and Gleason were buddies, and they were drinking. Really? and Ni- yeah, 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 it's this. a famous story that's disputed, but apparently. Let's uh, go with it, though. Yeah, let's, let's go with go it. With it. Yeah, yeah. Gleason apparently had said um, that Jackie Gleason and him were drinking. And uh, and Nixon was like, you want to see a fucking UFO? <laughs> and, no way! Yeah, and and he flew him to see wreckage, and they had uh, frozen uh, biological entities, and they they got a chance to see these things that they had uh, that they had frozen. What? Yeah. What? So that must have
0: been like early 70s. Yeah, something
2: like that. And Jackie Gleason wound up having a house built in the shape of a UFO afterwards. No way. Yeah, that was for sale as recently as I think like a decade ago. See if you can find that house. In LA or something? No, it's in upstate New York. Ah. But the house looks like a fucking UFO. No way. He he had a UFO house built. Yeah, Jackie Gleason apparently was obsessed what? with UFOs after the fact. No? So this what? is yeah, that, Jackie that Gleason's like UFO start upstate yeah upstate New York spaceship house. No, yeah, way. that Does was that like
0: what, what? and that picture makes it look bigger. Okay, that's that's serious. Yeah, oh, it's wow, a, a, a fucking
2: that's beautiful. Oh, that's two different buildings. Oh, oh, they have he has more the first than one's one like of them? the guest house. The top, yeah. Oh, like I see. Small building in the yeah, way. look at that. Yeah, that's fucking, the guest uh, house. The other one. Wild. That's amazing. Yeah. So Jackie Gleason became a UFO freak. Man, I'm gonna do that after this. That's a pretty cool looking house. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Yeah. Oh my god, oh, wow. I wish Look at was, that. I wonder if it's still for sale. That's amazing. Entrance to the
0: mothership. Woo! I'm gonna talk to my wife about this when I get home. Yeah. This is serious right mm-hmm. here. Well, now you have this Sig spear. So they so there's a lot of UFO stuff on this Sig spear, so maybe this should be reserved for taking out the aliens when they come. <laughs> no, so, I don't want
2: to take them out.
0: Well, well, well if, if they, they attack you. If listen, they, I don't if think they're they going to attack. If they attack.
2: If they do attack, I think they could render you useless almost instantaneously. <sighs> Man, but them too. They're kind of like, why wouldn't they just sit back and watch? Like, I think they're... If they're going pass right by. If I had a guess. If yeah. I had a guess. I mean, this Man. is the wildest of speculations. Man. I would guess that every civilization reaches a point of technological proficiency when they're also dealing with these territorial uh, warring tribes where they have the ability to literally destroy the earth and that if this is a natural course of progression for intelligent beings, they get to this point, Mm -hmm. there's a transition where it gets very dangerous. Mm. And if I was from another planet and I was monitoring this, I would be there to make sure that they don't launch okay that they don't and that's see that's the theme of the mothership comedy club is that the rooms are called fat man and little boy and the reason why the rooms are called fat man and Little boy is because that is a specific moment in UFO folklore when the aliens start arriving after the detonation of those bombs that's when you start seeing this massive uptick in sightings really yes and interactions with fighter pilots and and, and And these different um, m- um, military bases that have uh, nuclear programs where the bases get shut down and all the power goes off. yeah, there's like
0: that's wild.
2: yeah, it's it's heavy stuff because if you think that they are they are watching, that would make the most sense, that they see that we have nuclear power, we have the, the, the ability to blow ourselves up, and we detonate two and we bombs. And then they're like, okay, let's fucking, let's, let's go monitor this, these assholes. <laughs> let's go make sure yeah. that Tate's gonna affect it the rest like of the universe. W- one country right now has them, let's fucking sp- specifically no concentrate on them. And then they have sightings in the Soviet Union, and the Soviet Union has the capabilities. And, no yeah, there's Yeah, there's a ton of documented sightings and these encounters that happen. And then so beforehand, also, there's not really anything. Very little. Really? Very little. Very well. I'm sure they've probably been visiting us. If if they do visit us, yeah. I would imagine they've been visiting us forever. Like, look, they've got engines. Look, they've got guns. Look, they've got this. You know, it'd be fascinating to watch. Like, look at these territorial apes with nuclear weapons. Like, that's it's the time to watch. Right now, they're probably just sitting back, yeah. popping that popcorn and being like, oh, man, well, it's getting interesting now. We're getting closer and closer to our, our fucking inevitable demise. Like, that's when the sightings are ramped up to the point where the Pentagon mm. has to start talking about and it. And they are. Yes. In front of Congress. Yes.
0: I mean, that's yeah. wild. Yeah.
2: But no one pays attention. No, no, no one pays attention. It's, it's like, let's go back to, you know,
0: TikTok and Instagram. Well, and, I
2: mean, they kind of pay attention but it's not there's nothing that you could fucking put your fork into. Right. You know, it's like, what exactly. is it? You know, like, and, and are why are they telling us about this? That's exactly. also there's a lot of cynicism when it comes to like, why is the government telling us about UFOs? Like a distraction, you mean? But what is it? Like, what are they telling us because they really have this information and they, they want to slowly leak it out because this is inevitable Contact mm. moment and they want to prepare civilization or is it just horseshit? Is it just they're yeah. distracting us? And this is how they you know institute this drone program where they have this you know Anti-gravity device and they, they can move at same rates of speed. I don't know. I mean it's just guesswork. That's crazy. Yeah, that's
0: crazy. You get to hear from directly from these guys who've actually mm-hmm. seen it, experienced it. Yeah, and, hang out and talk with them
2: for a little bit. Oh, I've talked man. to quite a few now, quite a few that have uh, that have seen these things and yeah. had these experiences. But the Bob Lazar one is uniquely compelling, All right. All right. uniquely compelling because Bob is without a doubt a brilliant guy, All right. and and he was a legitimate propulsion's expert who it's been proven he worked at Los Alamos Labs. And they tried to hide that. They tried to lie about that and say that he wasn't, but he—he he's on the employee roster. He uh, has uh, a, an intimate knowledge of the facilities. They took him, George Knapp took him on a tour of Los Alamos. He knew where everything was. He, he knew the people there. They knew him. Wow. Yeah, it's wild shit, man, because if he's telling the truth, he says it's not one that they've recovered, but multiple. And that one of them they think is really old and they got it from an archaeological dig. They think that they recovered this thing in the ground. That's movie stuff. I mean, you see that in movies. And,
0: you know, we all watch it in movies and think it's science fiction. But there's a lot of science fiction that has has, uh, come to fruition. From submarines to going to the moon to Mm -hmm. also also space travel in general, flight, just flying. Sure. All All of it. Every Man, every, and we're just like eh, Buck Rogers, you know, no big deal. But I remember you, like I remember uh, we got back to Coronado, which is one of the like seal hubs. Virginia Beach is the other. We we're in Virginia Beach, went back there, and I think you did a didn't you do a bit on um, flight when you're like about when internet first became available on uh, on a flight, and I, I and you're like people first time a Southwest flight, whatever it was. Hey, we have internet for the first time mm-hmm. on this flight. And uh, and here you, here's the password for your internet thing, and a guy opens it up and whatever and opens it up and it's it's it it doesn't work for a second and he slams it down. Oh, that's he Louis C.K. Like, oh, yeah, is it Louis okay. C.K. had a joke yeah, about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. fucking it, piece of exactly. shit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He's yeah. you're flying through the air. Yeah, like, literally. Like, and like, look around you're and be the thankful from space. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, but instead you're like.
2: Ah. It doesn't work. Yeah. What yeah. the hell's well, going on here? That's people that haven't had to develop those things that don't appreciate them. I mean, how many mm-hmm. people get mad their Wi-Fi cuts out on their phone? Exactly. You know, I, know. I mean, it's just... It has that level
0: of anxiety in your mm-hmm. life. And you just got to be, you know, I mean, it's tough. You got to figure out how to manage that. You're know, Just like these negative comments we are talking about. But, <laughs> like, I won't go into the comments on this one. I mean, imagine what people are going to say about uh,
2: UFOs and everything else in the comments. Here. I think people that listen to this podcast love UFOs. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's such the people? a fun thing. The people? It's such a fun thing to be excited yeah. about. I mean, and it, it might be the thing that could save us from demise if, if we really are on this path of mutually assured destruction with Russia. And with China, with China invading Taiwan, which seems also inevitable, mm. it's terrifying, terrifying stuff. And also if, something in the pages of this novel. I don't think, you, mm. I think you've got. Yeah, you did get there yet. Yeah, there's a sentence
0: about it in the earlier, mm-hmm. in the earlier chapter. So uh, I try to, to uh, just things that are on my mind work their way into the pages of these things as well. So China Taiwan is in there. Ukraine is in there, of course. And there's some other things that'll be a surprise to people in these pages. But uh, for me, it's a great outlet because I get to think all these things that I'm thinking about or worried about or whatever else I get to weave into these pages and think about them alone with no interruption well most of the time there's some interruptions in our house with three kids dog and everything else going on uh but it's fantastic i mean i, I actually enjoy the interruptions because i know when they're gone i'll miss them
2: I'll miss yes the you know? yeah well that's great uh the, your ability to see that because it's, sometimes it's hard for yeah. people when you're in the middle of things yeah, to appreciate you're it
0: yeah you're building and uh, you can be solely focused on that task at hand like in the military that pendulum I mean, it has to be on the side of the team because you're taking these guys down range, your life is in their hands, so you have to be as prepared as you can possibly be to make the best decisions under fire you possibly mm-hmm. can. But guess what that means? That pendulum is not on the side of the family right over here right and so they're doing all those other things uh, so you have to have a very supportive family that understands that hey, you're going to Iraq you're going to Afghanistan your best friends are in that trench with you to the right and the left and so that pendulum has to be over here you owe that to them their families the country the mission the team um, but uh, when but uh, once you get out and you know can start build but it's, it's about any business you're building and you're solely focused on it and your family's over here and sometimes that does take a take a back seat when you're building but for me i know that yeah i'm gonna miss those times i'm gonna miss all those interruptions in a few years
2: here. oh yeah mm-hmm. for sure i mean i i miss the ki- me and my kids are teenagers now but i no. miss them when they were little kids it was just yeah. the videos you could watch uh, i know now you can go back on your phone
0: and apple puts it right there I they know. put those little memories or whatever mm-hmm. that pop up and yeah. things you've almost that i've forgotten about in a lot of no. cases pop up on there and i go oh and i stop. I stop what I'm doing. I watch it, and then I send it to my wife. You know, I send it. Yeah. Hey, did you see this app?
2: That's <laughs> Apple what's found so unique memory. too, because because of you know a lot of people have iPhones and they've had them since 2007 or mm-hmm. eight whenever they came out. Yeah. Like that's a long history of your yeah. iPhoto that you can pull from and yeah. get these wild memories i mean yeah my daughter was born in 2005 i got my iphone in i don't know 2007 something. yeah like that.
0: and uh so same thing and they get you early once mm-hmm. you're apple they like they get you you know they get and everything's in this cloud eventually and then they've got you for life mm-hmm. and so the walled got, garden yeah so i've got the couple phones now since uh you recommended that that to me i haven't committed to the other one yet which i need to do yeah uh, because that thing's going off i feel very fortunate very very fortunate but i need to commit to that that other number yeah
2: you got to have a phone that only a few people have yeah it's, I think, at a certain point in time. You want to be able to have a phone that you check every now and again, mm-hmm. but to have a phone where your wife has, your yes. best friends have, yep. and then don't let anybody give that fucker away. Yes. Yeah, I tell it like, if I get a group text, yeah, exactly and the there's group a group text, text with someone, who I hey man, this it's guy just wants to talk number. to you about a project. And it's like, just a number, not a name. Yeah, I block that person. I say, uh, all right, well, you're off the fucking list now, because uh, you just connected me to some asshole from a tech company. you, ha- uh, you oh, have to, because yeah. how are you supposed to live Maybe with not even an asshole. Maybe a nice guy. But yeah. It's not his fault. He's not
0: self-aware enough
2: to realize that that's not appropriate. Some people don't understand what it's like to, like, I'll leave a podcast. I'll have 150 text messages, 140 text messages. It's nuts. Dang. Yeah, I've had days where I've had hundreds of text messages. Wow. You can't keep up. It's not possible. Nope. And some people abuse the shit out of that. And they're hey, man, you fucking, you're ignoring me? I'm like, dude. Dude. If you could see the volume of emails and direct messages, it's like, do you want to be a normal human? Because if you want to be a normal human, you cannot keep up with all that stuff. It's impossible. Especially if you want to be a person that does what I do, perform. Yeah, you want to be funny and do do podcasts, and I can't be checking that thing all the time. And you gotta, you create a when time. I'm doing a podcast for hours. I'm locked in in a conversation yep. like we're having one right
0: now. Phone's not going. Yeah. Phones on. Phones on airplane mode, and and, and then, all then I that. leave. I
2: gotta have dinner with my family. I got shows. I so got, got this. shows. I got two, that. two shows a night sometimes. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's incredible. So now, I mean, it's not nearly at at your level, but I certainly see it. And I'm going to do that thing where I miss the 80s. I mean, if I could go back in time, I'd go back to 85. And I would just stay in 85, I think. (laughs) You know, we have Back to the Future comes out. Rambo First Blood Part 2 comes Ah, out. That's hilarious. Uh, I think Fletch is out there. Anyway, it's a great year. I mean, Mm. 85, right in the middle. I just stay right there. I like it right now. And You like it? Do you? I like it right now. That's awesome. I love it. I'm going to try to get
2: to that. I'm going to try... To get to that sort of an attitude. Well, because I think this is the last generation before we can read minds. Oh geez. This is the last generation before we become fully integrated with technology <coughs> that's actually ingrained it's embedded into your body. Ugh. Oh. I, I think we're a Decade or so away from cyborgs. I don't. I don't. I none think. Of that, none of that was there in 1985 either. So yeah. But I like. I'm the going internet. back. I'm going back. I'm going back. I enjoy having a phone. I enjoy being able to film things, and I enjoy being able to ask Google like yeah, that's how that's far can a turkey fly? And that, bam, you get
0: a, <laughs> That was important. I love doing yeah. that with my 100 kids. Hundred yards for
2: people joining us all like. the time while we're driving. We we'll have conversations about stuff. Like and you're like, check what it. What is this? So let's Google it. And then it's really fun. It's fun to have that kind of access to information. There's Man. negative consequences to every generation that's yeah. ever existed. There's, there's always going to be negatives, but I like it today. Man, I, I love your attitude. It. I'm going to go home and I'm
0: going to think about this while I'm on <laughs> book tour right now. So I'm going to go to my hotel and think about this as I continue on book tour. But I'm building a time machine so <laughs> i'm building one and this time machine is about it's about it's almost the size of this room right here and you walk in and it's vhs tapes it's video discs and so video Laser discs are not discs? no not Laser? no no late, late 70s so it's really? like a record and so it skips all over the place and you have to put rca video disc player you put them in within a, it's a square you pull the square out and it leaves the disc in there that's plastic you get to about 35 minutes you got to put it in again pull it out turn it around put it back in again so it's a precursor to discs. So wow I wasn't even aware off. that existed oh yeah it's that's in done. the 70s Late, like 79 or something like that people can fact check wow. it and I won't look at the comments but it's there it uh, is it's video. A, there dipped. it is Bam. and look at that yep that's the one RCA look, the, SpectraVision that's the one we had Growing up, look wow. at that
2: thing. Look at that thing. I love how they use fake wood with those. It's fantastic. Wood yeah, paneling. Exactly. It is so. Why <laughs> was well, like wood paneling? Like Atari it's so too. Or
0: just like a, like a Wagoneer, or like in uh, yeah. a vacation. You know, they had mm-hmm. the wood paneling down the side of the uh, other car. But yes, Look so at Tom Cruise. now <laughs> so I'm going back. So my time machine is one of these. It's uh, a VHS or a VCR, a VHS tapes, and uh, you want an Atari 2600. And I'm going to track down the first Nintendo, and I'm just going to have those in there. And I walk in, and now I'm back in
2: 1985. <laughs> and that's my time machine. I better leave your phone outside. Uh, exactly. You know. Yeah. yeah. No
0: phones. No phones yeah. in that in that thing right there. Um, so yeah, the phone thing. And what I'm going to do with my phone, with the one that I have now, is plug it in and treat it like like it's a cord so treat it like it is attached to the wall like it would have been back in the oh. 80s and so i have to go up there to that to a room not the time machine but another room where i have to like pick it up right there and it's just attached with the cable to the charger but i am gonna pretend that that is a cord to the wall and so if i want to check those messages then i have to go up there that's my plan that's my plan. And then the other phone, that, uh, that that will be the one that's on me that uh, just a few people have. Mm. That sort of thing. Because it's gotten a little crazy. But I feel so yeah. fortunate. At the same time, you feel so fortunate. Of course. You know? yeah. you feel it's, so fortunate. You're
2: way better off being busy than wishing you were busy. Yeah. Yeah, you're way better off. I think... The, the you not being able to work out thing scares me, because <laughs> for me, I, yeah. I need it for mental health. Yeah. I have to. I have to do some sort of physical exercise, just sort of wring out yeah. the tension and anxiety in my body. And if I don't do that, I'd go crazy. I should. I should be doing
0: that, and I know I should be doing that. But right now, it's shot out of that cannon every morning. And then it's, when it's quiet, it's when everybody's in bed. so that's Maybe between, you can just like,
2: like, enforce a certain number of calisthenics you have to do every day. I like, started
0: just getting out of bed and doing some push-ups and sit-ups and stuff like that. And I did yeah. that for like two weeks. And, uh, and then, no.
2: And then it just went by the wayside for whatever reason. But again, you're so fortunate that you're in this position that you have all this stuff going on that's like the dream. The dream was... I you yeah. mean, you're living the fucking American dream. I mean, you really did it. You really did it, and it's actually happening. Yeah.
0: And as are you, and I mean, are like you're an inspiration for a ton of people. You'll never even know how many people. You, it's impossible to quantify with how many people listen to this and see you and see what you've created and what you've done and we've built. And uh, I mean, that's on a, on a scale that's not not close to, to what I'm doing. But it's uh, I've been busy every single second of my life, just like just like you. And I didn't even look at it as building, just like you, you're just doing. Yeah. And, uh, and enjoying. Just doing. Yeah. And
2: if you recognize that that you just have this. One shot at it. Like, why not go all in? Why not go all in? Yeah, it's just you don't get a lot of opportunities. And the people that don't go all in, I think they're always going to have some sort of a regret. Yeah. I think, I mean, but everybody's different. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, like, have that opportunity, like, you know what, I'd rather live a simple life. Yeah, and there's that's great, too. That's great, if too. If that's your thing, yeah.
0: you know? It, it's, everybody has it. That's what's great about America is you get to choose. Yeah. Where most everywhere else in the world, you don't. Right. Um, so I think a lot of people forget that here, that no matter where you come from, no matter where you start it's up to you, you have opportunity here. Um, you're not forced into doing what your father did or right. whatever else, you're not forced into that because of tradition and socioeconomic status and and the country that doesn't give you these opportunities. Yeah. Um, but we have that here. We so once you recognize that uh, and then realize that you've got this one shot, like you got you won the lottery being yeah. born here. Like I feel like I won the lottery being born here, not having my buddy give the book to Chris Pratt or having somebody give the book to Simon and Schuster or whatever it was. Being born here is winning that lottery, Yeah, and I've, I've always felt
2: that way. That's true. That's 100% true because people like to compare themselves to other people like, oh, they mm-hmm. have more opportunities. They, they were set up better. They this, they that. But you, if you're listening to this, you live in a rare time. This is a rare time, and you're in an amazing place. Mm-hmm. If you're in America in particular, but even if you're in other parts of the world, I mean, this is, this is a great place to be alive. Yeah, a lot of people want to come here for that, just yeah. for that,
0: because they don't have it where they are. So they do everything they possibly can sacrifice everything to come here so they have that opportunity that we're lucky enough to be born
2: with. I think about that when I see the border crisis. When I see the border crisis, I'm like, listen, if I was in Guatemala, I'd would you be, be doing, doing the same shit. I'd mm-hmm. be sneaking across that border just like everybody else. I guess it's not even sneaking anymore. Just walking. Seems like man. just walking, just gonna...
0: and they give you a free phone. Yeah. I heard a buddy of mine from the Border Patrol texted me the other day, and he was – because I sent him one of the books. I sent him one of these, actually, in this case right here, and he's a Border Patrol agent down there. And I sent it to him, and he got home from work, and he took a picture of it, and he said – man, he texted me. <clears throat> he's like, man, this was a rough day, and this made my day getting this that you still remember remember me from these you know whatever but uh he said today was horrible and it was right the title 42 thing just a few mm-hmm. days ago and uh he talked about people coming across and getting 1500 bucks i think it was and and uh and off they go and how they're forced to release and do all these things and their job is to protect yet they have to let through and they don't know who they're letting through
2: and yeah, uh, so
0: Perfect screening process. So you're this person that's supposed to protect. You're supposed to be on that border, protecting that border. You're on that wall. That's what you swore your oath to. And now you're just opening these gates. It's crazy. He was just just so demoralized. What the
2: fuck do you think that is? Like, why is that happening?
0: Well, I mean, I think there's a voter base that a certain segment of society thinks is going to be more apt to vote for one side than the other. But but we have, I mean, when you talk about, and people like to make fun of Trump in the wall. I mean, there are great memes out there about the wall. Um, And then people like to point to places in history where walls were meant to keep people in. Well, no, the walls also work to keep people out. Um, And uh, so it's just tough. But you also, at the same time, as a compassionate person, you want to let that person in from Guatemala that worked their way all the way up here and put in that work for a new opportunity for them and their family here. And that's going to be probably a productive citizen. But along with that person comes other people with yeah. nefarious types of uh, ambitions that can w- also work
2: their way across. Of course. So it's, I mean, it's it's extremely tough. But a country needs borders, and unless uh, it's not a country. Yeah, I don't understand how it's this porous. I don't understand how it's this crazy. Because when you're watching the influx of people from, and again, I understand why they yeah, would want to do it. Totally. But what a fucking terrible mismanagement. Yeah. No. It's
0: it's. It's the compassion of the American people. We're very compassionate, I think, overall. And just like when you see somebody who posts a picture of a, a, a dead animal, and they're so excited, they put in all this work, and they got there, and they took this picture, and they posted it, and then they get destroyed online because of these comments or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever, whatever it might be. People I that mean, are eating a cheeseburger. Yeah, 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 that happens. That happens as well. But uh, but they're doing it. Uh, they're, they're, it's 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 not it can be exploited it can be twisted and it can be turned and then they're putting it up there because they're feeding their family or whatever else and now we it's it's, all these things are very connected because you can exploit and you can twist and you can turn all of them you can weaponize all of it and internet and social media in particular makes that a lot easier and now these companies that own these things are not american companies they're global multinational corporations and they benefit Uh, but America gave them, in most cases, that opportunity to be so successful, to be so wildly wealthy, um, more wealthy than most anyone in the history of the world. So it's a, it's a tough
2: time. It's a, very tough it's a time. weird time. It's a weird time.
0: Man, it is so crazy. But, yeah, but Border Patrol, I mean, those guys down there, they get, and law enforcement in general, uh, teachers. In general, like I, I met a guy yesterday, came to a book signing, and uh, he was a, a law enforcement for 20 years and became a teacher. So, like the two things that are just vilified right yeah. now, shot up, uh, you know, uh, just figuratively. Yeah. On, it's just, oh uh, my goodness, he's asking for trouble. But what a great guy. He was awesome and brought an old Civil War musket, uh, not a musket, uh, Civil War percussion rifle, and uh, brought it, showed it to me at this book signing. And what a great guy. But, uh, geez, people still want to serve. They want to stand up there as law enforcement. Austin, I know, has, a, has an issue with that right now Um, border patrol agents teachers I mean what a tough time
2: to be in those positions I know and they're just not appreciated and our culture for whatever reason doesn't celebrate them like they should I yeah I
0: appreciate those guys every day and uh, I think about them every day so thankful that they're out there every day willing to do that job, willing to be teachers, willing to put themselves uh, on the line, on the border, willing to, to, to suit up and get in that squad car and roll into the city or whatever else, yeah. knowing that there's a whole segment of society that just wants to vilify
2: them no matter what they do. And it's a tough position to be. It's very tough, hard, hard on the morale, <clears throat> oh especially God. police officers. Well, and, and teachers, both of them. You're right. That's Those are the, the two people that are most maligned, the two groups of people. I think you're drawn to those things
0: for good reasons right, mm-hmm. right off the bat. Yeah. You want to yeah. teach kids or whatever else, right. and all of a sudden you find yourself embroiled in some crazy controversy, mm-hmm. and you're like, I just want to teach kids some history or I want to teach them math yeah. or whatever it might be. And same thing with, with cops. I mean, they're getting yep. that squad car to protect, and they go out, and people make a mistake, and there's good people and bad people in every single institution and every single organization. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. But then the, the mistakes are vilified and then used to divide a country, not just politically.
2: Yeah, it's, know, it's, it's pretty fucked. It's tough. It is tough. Man, yeah.
0: Man. And Austin here, you guys have that going on right now, mm-hmm. right? The police, there's like all sorts of stuff going on in the-
2: Yeah, and defunding and the police. Yeah, right here. A lot of. Do you notice it since
0: you've been here? Yeah.
2: Yeah, there's a definitely a decrease in police presence and my friends that have had issues, you know, they said the wait time is insane and it's not good. Mm-hmm. That's wild.
0: And also, how about outside
2: where the comedy club is? Is that uh, well, we hire a lot of Austin cops for nice. the comedy club. I, oh, nice. I, I wanted to hire them to yeah. show them that we we care and we respect them and right. want to give them uh, employment. And so, guys that are off duty, they work there. Nice. So it's nice. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. It helps a lot, and it also keeps the club safe. It's good for everybody. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's why I worry about the uh, like book tour. Um, I, there are a lot of cops that come, thank goodness, that are in the audience because when I'm doing a, a signing, it's like, I'm looking at that person, I'm so thankful, I'm shaking mm-hmm. that hand, we're getting that picture. And uh, But also that means I'm not paying attention So I'm lucky that there are a lot of cops In the audience that are looking out for me Which is very, very cool I mean, Salman Rushdie Remember Salman Rushdie Mm -hmm. in the 80s With the Satanic Verses? Yeah, just gets attacked recently Yeah, last summer Last damn, stabbed in the neck and face And lost an eye And I'm Mm -hmm. not sure how he's doing right now But that's all those years later I know And the enemy doesn't forget
2: They
1: do not forget
2: Not at all Well, listen, brother Thank you very much for all you do And thank you for your awesome books Thank you Only the Dead It's out right now You can get it like I said, I'm in the middle of it, and I love you are it. Awesome, I love all your stuff. You are awesome. Thank, Thank you, so. brother. Appreciate you very much. Thank you for everything. All right, take care. Bye, everybody.